Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're rocking with the most awesome The Carl Nelson Show. Good morning again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour, we the publisher of the National Black Unity News, David Murphy. Before we go back to David, let me just remind you something that's coming up at 2.20 Eastern, 1.20 uh, Central, and 11.20 Pacific. FEMA is going to be doing a test that, along with the FCC. You're going to hear it on your phone. You may not have no phone service. And Kevin, they tell us it may affect radio as well. They may take us off the air. And they say it may last as long as 30 minutes. I, I'm not sure, but I've been hearing that. But And some people have told me that you can opt out by calling FEMA and you won't get that, that emergency alert on your telephone. That's uh, going to take place at uh, 2.20 Eastern Time, uh, 1.20 Central, and 11.20 Pacific. Anyway, let's go back to David Murphy, because David, during the uh, break, the traffic and weather update, the uh, tweeter wanted to know if, if, if uh, one, they want to know if women are, are, are going to be invited to the breakfast, and two, they wanted to know, uh, are you inviting the young, young brothers, the young men? Oh, yeah. Well, the one on this side is the young. It's, it's for you know pretty much only, and uh, but one for the uh, March fourth. Everybody is included, women, men, children, everybody on the honor reader board. Gotcha. All right, eight hundred four five zero seventy eight seven six. Bill's joining us from Baltimore. He's on line two. Good morning, Bill. You're on with David Murphy. Yes. First, let me just say thank you, Carl, for this opportunity. And thank you for having Dave. And like Dave said, November fourth. It's for everybody. I mean, you know, last we had women as well as uh, young uh, young people to attend. So November fourth is for everybody. But our regular breakfasts is just for black men and black boys only. But I just want to say, you know, I, I think that Dave and, and you pretty much answered the the uh, uh, question. We talk about all our issues, Carl, and we talk about this all the time. You know, it's not that we don't have solutions as 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 people. You know, our issue is that. It's hard for us to organize people in mass numbers, and for whatever reason it is, then we look for for celebrity status, or we look for people that's in power or supposed to have prestige to organize us when we have to simply be able to organize ourselves from the bottom in mass numbers around issues, and not uh, something that's going to be self gratification for ourselves. And, you know, last, I just want to say, hey, you know, I, I always say that, you know, a lot of times people just don't uh, recognize the importance of uh, uh, David Murphy. David Murphy been publishing newspapers for 40 years, Carl. And the reason why it's so important, just like when we talk about Kathy Hughes, of course, David haven't been able to expand like Kathy Hughes have. But David has given a lot of the people a voice that didn't have no other way to have a voice. Uh, through his uh, newspapers and through his publishing efforts. So, you know, people just have to recognize the importance of the media and how powerful the media is. And, again, I'm going to just close with this. You know, so until we can organize ourselves and come together around issues, then we're going to continue to suffer the same problem. Just like for over 30 years, Carl, and I'm closing with this, 
for over 30 years or 40 years, myself and a few others have said that, you know, we need to have witnesses to incinerate the, the uh, confiscation uh, uh, of drugs and weapons confiscated by the police. Why is that important? Because it's a billion-dollar industry with no oversight over the police departments, despite the corruption that we know that happens in the police department, despite the fact that people could Google drugs and evidence stolen from police evidence rooms and see for themselves, and yet we can't organize that effort and demand that that happen, which is going to have a direct impact on crime and murder in our communities. So, again, I just want to say thank you, and thank you for having David Murphy on your show. All right. Thanks, Bill. Uh, and let me ask David this. Uh, David, what he said seems seems reasonable, seems practical. What, what's the problem? Why can't it be done? All right. Uh, uh, Kevin, can you close that line, too, for us? Go, go ahead, David. Yeah, well, you know uh, what they say, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. But, you know, behind closed doors, only those behind that door know what's going on. And uh, when you talk, Bill just mentioned a billion dollars, maybe more, you know, uh, uh, with these uh, you know, not knowing where these drugs go, where these guns go, they supposed to incinerate them. But if we can't watch this in real time happening, it's just, this is what they're saying. And you, we've been told a lot of things, what people say, <laughs> but they do it totally different. And, but see, these are the type of things that, that we as the people have uh have our alerts on because um, those same guns that was confiscated, if it makes its way back through the streets and someone gets killed, and it comes from the sources that's supposed to protect us. And, uh, and so this is the kind of thing that, you know, we see not just in the police department, but so many other entities as well. And and like I said, it's a huge system out there, and, and, and there's no checks and balances on them. But you know, when people focus, when they want to focus on crime and everything else, they go to the to the hood, to the bottom, and blame the victims. And, and while those who perpetrating the crimes, the real crimes, who bringing all of this stuff in, who making millions and billions of dollars off of these things, uh, nothing even being said about that. No investigation going on about that. So that's a problem. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is a problem. Yeah, Bill been raising a horse for years about that. And still, all the pain went to everybody. It's still yet no accountability. Well, that's my question, David. Why not? Because it seems like it's really simple. It, it's, it doesn't seem like it's, it's, a, it's a hard. Do you think people just don't care? Do you think people have given up on, on solving the, the crime issue? No, because, like I say, you know, when it comes to real power, you know, people have been killed for lesser things. 
And, uh, and, and when you have a city like Baltimore, we have black mayors, controllers, heads of city council. You mean to tell me that they can't have something that, you know, make it accountability? There's something wrong with that picture, you know? And so I don't, like I say, I don't know what goes on behind these closed doors, but it's very suspicious because if they say we're going to be transparent, and they are not, and uh, and if, and if you raise your voice, the voices have been raised about that, but still nothing yet. So um, all I can say about that is those who, who, who say they in power need to do something. And that's why I'm saying we're going to have to create our own system because other systems, just, I mean, just too many holes in it. And uh, and they don't look good for us, period. Right. 28 after the top. Yeah, let me ask you this, though, because it seems like not just Baltimore, but you look at Baltimore, L.A., Detroit, Chicago, New York. It seems like uh, mayors, black mayors running have issues with controlling the city. And people are saying that they're not it's just not the fact they're black is because they're Democrat. Uh, somehow I don't buy either one because I know we, we can we, we can succeed in anything that we do. I'm just wondering, how do you see that? Because you know, when when they hear these these citizen problems, they're, oh, they're they're black. There's a black mayor that doesn't have, know how to run the city government, or or the black mayor's a black Democrat, and that's why the cities are in such bad shape. But how do you see it as as a newspaper guy? How do you see that? Is that something you buy into, or is there any truth into that, no, or is there a hidden hand? No, I, I never did buy into that because, like I say, both parties are the same system, and even um, you know, I hate say this, but it's as far as my perspective. They had the things, you know, you know, in California, you know, they had a lot of ser- serious gang problems. They had, you know, the group, the Crips and the Bloods, blood in, blood out. And, and Congress and, and, and those powers that be acting the same way, blood in, blood I had never seen a group of people that both straight down party lines, pretty much. And when I was coming up, I didn't see that before. You know, most politicians voted what was best for the people. And I never seen this kind of polarization ever before. And uh, and, and, it, and, and you can't tell me that these folks be intelligent people. And, and when they see something good for the people and, and they don't act on because they have to be conformed to their system, to their party system, then that's a problem with me. And so and we have to live. So you know, Carl, I always say this. You know, three laws as far as David Murphy is so There's God laws, then there's natural laws, and then there's man laws. God laws pretty much stays the same, so the natural laws. But when it comes to man, it's very shaky. Man will change the law according to his own purposes. But we have to operate in all three of these systems. But the system that man is in, you know, yeah, it's corrupted. It's a lot of things. But that's why, but there is hope, you know, again, because you have people like yourself, a, a Bill Good, even a David Murphy, who are making changes. See, you even provide the platform for us to share our information. That's a powerful, powerful thing. And uh, so there's hope because this this what just happened. You had Bill, you had David Murphy, and you had Carl Nelson on there communicating nationwide and beyond. And, and years ago, they never had. So there's hope. 
Yeah, that is so true. 29 away from the top. But, you know, it's, there's a responsibility with that, too, that you, we have to, you know, give out the correct information. And we have to put people on the radio who have the correct information and not trying to hustle us. But I, I got a tweet from Lisa, one of our charter listeners, and, and I guess it's more, more for Bill, but you can answer it. Uh, Lisa says, for many years, it's an open secret that police in Baltimore take the drugs from the deals and then put them back on the street. Is, is that the prevailing thought in the city, uh, uh, David? With the police department today? Well, well, for the most side, look, and then it, it makes uh, common sense. You know, uh, you know, I come in the hood, and uh, you know, <laughs> it means necessary everything. You know, goes, and and uh, and if, if somebody's hiding something and don't want you to know about it, then you know your suspicion should go up. And why? Like I said, they take it. I just heard this morning. I think they uh, the mayor said they did talk. 21,000 guns off the street. That's what they, they took off. This this year alone. 21,000. Wow. But no one knows where guns go. Are they circulated? Or, or what? You know, because nobody had no accountability to it. Nobody telling us. And so, and, 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 and I'm wondering, where did these children get these guns from? And we already know in Baltimore City, we had a lot of corruption in the police department. They actually out here robbing people putting people in jail for this and for that. And so would it, would it not be surprised that these, these big things are not being recirculated, especially when it comes down to that dollar, and they're making billions of dollars off of it? Well, you know, that's the yeah, question, uh, David. That's the question. Who's, who's, who's benefiting, benefiting from all of this, all this chaos that's in the city? Who's, somebody obviously is benefiting from it, and I'm sure you... Yeah, well, who, who do you think? I'll tell you what, hold that thought right there, because we've got to take a short break. I'll let you think about that. When we come back, tell us who you think gets, is benefiting from all of this chaos that's created in the city. Keep, keep going, because it's just, it, that's what it is. It's a simple word for it. It's just chaos, and nobody wants to see it ended. Folks, what are your thoughts? You want to join this conversation with David Murphy? David is the publisher of the National Black Unity News. Reach out to us. They're based in Baltimore, though, but you can get them online. at eight, Reach out to us at 800-457-8876. We'll take your phone calls after the news, traffic, and weather right here in Baltimore in four minutes on 1010 WLB. Also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, information is power. Uh, Dr. Ray Wimbush, who teaches at Morgan, you hear him here quite a bit on this radio station, and he says that, you know, four students were, were wounded, and it's homecoming week, but they still haven't found the shooter yet, so there's some, some concern there. They haven't found the shooter, but four students uh, were wounded last night uh, over at Morgan State, so if the folks are there have concerns, check on your loved ones or, or your relatives over there at Morgan. Anyway, uh, before, again, coming up later this morning, uh, Brother Zaki Baruti from the Universal African People's Organization will be here, and with all the faith panel and also checking they want to talk about heaven and uh, after that religious discussion oh david sullivan and ray weaver they're going to discuss their book uh, about former pro football player and movie star timothy brown and tomorrow neely fuller is going to be here neely fuller jr is going to spound on his tome on racism white supremacy and one of the questions we're going to ask him to because we're talking about this a lot of self-hate a lot of hating uh why it's so difficult for people to hate on each other black people it, it seems like we could do it at the drop of a dime it's so hard for us to love 
each other. We were always fighting against each other. So he, and I know he's got an explanation for that. So he'll be here. Also, Chairman Fred Hampton will be here as well. There's some issues going on with the Black Panther Party in Illinois. He's going to share that with us. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, run FM 95.9 at AM 1450 WOL. All right, uh, David, let's, let's go back to you know what we're talking about with, with the crime problem in the, in the city of Baltimore, how people look at it, because it seems like what Bill mentioned was so simple. It seems like, you know, an easy way to do it. But people have a problem with supporting each other's ideas. One of the other things, sort of an offshoot of what Neely Fuller will talk, discuss about and explain it to us. Because uh, once you understand how that system of racism, white supremacy works, and you understand Pan-Africanism, that unity is the key to Pan-Africanism. So when you hear people hating on each other, hating on another brother or sister, or trying to break away or go the better, and, and Dr. Fox talks about this as well. You know, they don't understand how the system works, and that's exactly what the oppressor wants us to do. So how do we bring our, our people together, David? What's, what's your thoughts? You've been there, and you've seen the, the issues in Baltimore, and there are several, as we mentioned. You know, it gets a bad rap at times because of the mayor, because it's a democratic city, and, and, and that passes along not just to Baltimore, but you could talk about L.A., Philly, uh, Detroit, uh, New York, you just name it, uh, uh, Chicago, you just you name the cities, and, and the people are pointing the finger that that it's a uh, it's because they're black or they don't know how to manage or or because it's they forget about people we we had before like a Marion Barry and, and a man in Jackson and and, and uh, uh, in Chicago his name escapes me right now but uh, and a Tom Bradley in L A. That doesn't resonate with them. They forget about those mayors who have done good. So I'm, I'm wondering, is it, the, is it the sign of the times, what we're going through? Because they were, they were in a different season. How do you see it? Well, I see this. You know, um, media, media is a powerful tool. Powerful. And if you project images of yourself, of other people, and say this about them and say that about them, and it's corroborated by other media and other sources, then uh, people tend to believe it. And um, and I can't account for nobody else, but um, when I was a little boy, you know, um, you know, we had this thing called Tarzan. He would beat up a village of black people, you know, Tarzan. And then in the movie theater, all I saw was maids and butlers or people who were slow of speech and didn't have much education. I saw a cartoon with bones in our head, black people with bones, lips very, very, very thick. And these are the images, these are the only images that I saw. And why would I want to uh, be something like that? But yet I was. And so, the, you know, my thoughts, for even from childhood, that's how powerful media is. It can change your thoughts until the day of awakening. You say, seeking, you shall find knocking the door will be open to you, asking it will be given to you. When you start questioning yourself, who you are and who you are and who you really are, then you will. Have we lost David? Uh, it seems like, well, check, see, it seems like he, he dropped out there, 16 away from the top of the hour. We're trying to get David back. Let me just remind you, though, folks, FEMA and the FCC, they're going to do a test. And uh, these are the times, uh, Eastern time. It's going to be at 2.20, uh, 120 Central, of course, and 120 out in the Pacific uh, on the West Coast. And and, and they're going to, it's, it's, it's an emergency broadcast. It's going to affect radio, they tell me as well. So it's, And then they say it may last up to 30 minutes. I don't know they need 30 minutes to do that, but this is, a, this is interesting. You have one 
why they decided today and why they're you know, doing this test and why is it taking so long? Uh, is it something they know that we don't know and something they're not telling us? And again, some folks, uh, when they heard about it, they said there's a way that you could you can opt out by calling FEMA. You can just go get the number from FEMA. You can opt out it, and you, you'll the, all of the emergency uh, broadcasts, all the emergency issues, you will not get on your telephone. Your phone won't be interrupted. But David's back with us. David, I'm gonna let you finish your thought. Yes, I don't know where I got cut off at, but in any case, I do know this about us. This is firsthand now. I do know there's some powerful, positive black brothers and sisters out who are doing, who are making changes. The only problem is we need to start connecting the dots. And that's exactly what I'm going through the National Black Community News. I've met, and you know, I'm so convinced of who we are, the power that we possess. It's no excuse for us. But the only thing we need to do, like Bill say, we need to create this thing called unity. We need to recognize one of each, each other, and we need to search each other out. Because, like I said, I, I'm meeting people on a daily basis, doing, I mean, astronomical things. And so in my mind, you know, we, all we got to do is just come together and, 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 and power with each other, reason together, make some concrete solutions, and do it. It's, it's really no excuse, but you know, but you know, when you got a system out there that don't want you to do that, then you do have opposition, you know, but we got, can't keep our eyes on what they do, because they're going to do what they do. It's time for us to start doing what we need to do for each other, because we have not seen it, and I don't think it ever will happen. If we rely on other people to do what they will never happen. Thank you, Paul. And, 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 but you know what, Dave? We talked about who benefits from all of this because they, they can't make it can't work without collaborators. We know what happened in the sixties with the COINTEL, and COINTEL is still going on. It's just under a different name and a different way now. So you've got agents out there. Whenever you hear somebody who's who's not is not talking about unity, who's attacking another person, whether it be in the pulpit, in the streets. <laughs> they're working for the enemy. It's it's that straight yes. up. If you attack, if you're a black person attacking another black person again, whether it be in the mosque or be on the streets, you you working you working for the enemy. And some of them know this, and and they are some of them are certified paid agents uh, to keep this chaos going. Because that's what we're talking about the benefits. Who benefits from all this chaos? So that was the, that was the question I asked you right before we left for the uh, traffic and weather and the news updates. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, oh, man, it's like I said, it's an astronomical multi-trillion dollar. I don't think it's big multi-trillion dollar. You know, the police department benefits from it. Politicians benefits from it. Lawyers, corporations, even the toilet paper makers. You know how many people in our prison system use toilet paper? You know, all everybody is profiting. Judges, everything is, is profiting off our demise, off us going to jail, being shot in the streets and all of this. So it's big business can do harm to us. And, and, and that system will not change. It's not going to change. But again, uh, well, let me jump in and ask you this, because I agree with you 100%, David. Let me jump in and ask you this, though. Why why they attack us? Why are they coming after us? Why don't they go after any other ethnic group? Why is it us? Is, is there, do they see something in us that they don't see in the other groups? Oh, of course. Of course. You know what they see in us? They see true power. Resilience. And, uh, you know, you know, they had a thing in this country where um, I guess they say, well, let's try this. And they open up the doors, what they call photos and, and, and colleges and, and, and corporations. They did that for a minute. They just took it back. But when we got into those institutions, we excelled greatly. I mean, astronomical. 
And they know, they always known that we had true power. And that's why they would put their foot on us. And, and, and I'm going to say that this is what um, I do know. People come from all over the world. They sit up shop right in what they were called, what some were called the hood, and make a fortune off the least of us. And if they can do that, just imagine what we can do for ourselves. If other people see it in us, and I'm going to say this, Paul, and um, this is what was told to me. I was asked one day, I was invited to this meeting of agents. And they was all type of agents from India, all over the place. Group of, you know, they had organizations. And they wanted me to put together a directory, a black directory for them. Because someone told them that I was the man that had resources that I, you know, could do that. And, you know, they go, well, we're going to do this for you. We're going to do that for you and, and all of this kind of stuff. And I asked the question, why do you want to put together a black directory? Well, he said, one guy stood up and he said, first and foremost, he said, you black people are the most together people in the world. He said, we, even we as Asians, Vietnamese, Chinese, Japanese, he said, we don't get along. We don't even support each other. We support our own. You know, so he said, in the Hispanic, it's the same situation. Mexico, Spain, you know, we don't know. We only like being identified with one another. He said, well, you black people, no matter what has happened to you all, you still, y'all the most together all of us had benefit off the work of your blood, sweat, and tears. He said, God, the only thing is with y'all, y'all just don't know the script that you had. And so we had to talk to one another and let us know the real truth and the real script that we had. We can't, but the unfortunate, like I said, we have to get some machine that tells a total, total different story. That's why it's so important that us to start telling our stories. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, and but here's the other issue too, and nearly full of an honor score this tomorrow. They stay on code. They know how to, when it comes to us, they stay on code, but we, we're all over the place, you know, and, and that's what he says. We need a code to, to, to the, we adhere to when we're dealing with them, but they know they can come into our communities and, and they can take advantage of us because they know, uh, Dr. Anderson pointed this out. This is a two guys, there's a barbershop over down the street and then brothers saw the barbershop was doing well. What did he do? Opened up a barbershop next door. What did the Asian guy do? He opened up a store down the street selling the combs and the scissors and all the other stuff that the, the, both of these barbershops uh, uh, need. And of course, both of them can't compete. That's the problem that we have. It, it's, 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 an, it's, it's a problem upstairs in our heads between our ears. That's for some of us to understand that. That's, that's, that's what we're going to need to break, uh, David. We've got to figure out how to do that. So people see you and see your paper doing well. So do copy it and do everything and call your advertisers and try to get them in, in their paper instead of starting their own thing and going, at, going after the, uh, the oppressor, you know, and get, the, get our money from them. How, how, do we, how do we convey this, that thought thinking to, to some of our brothers and sisters? Well, you know, after all of these years of indoctrination, uh, propaganda, and everything else, it's extremely difficult to change the mindset of people. But I do know this, you know, I can only account for days of emergency. You know, there's a saying we walk by sight and not by faith. And then there's a saying that we walk by faith and not by sight. But we are dual citizens. You know, we are, we are physical beings as well as spiritual beings. And the majority of us, because we are conditioned to do this, is to look by sight, what we see, what we observe. And it don't look good for us. Matter of fact, it don't look good for no man. I don't care what color you are. It's just a lot of corruption and, and, and every man for himself type attitude. 
But on the spiritual side, if you open your eyes in that category and all things are possible. And see, we need to, this is where true strength come out. Because when you know who you are in the spiritual world, that you know that all things are possible, and that no matter what happens to you, that you know you, you would eliminate fear, a fear of what some might do to you, what they might say to you. You go with or without, no matter what the opposition is. And when you have that type of connection, when you're willing to stand for something, die for something, then no man, I don't care what he say or what he does about you, that, that, that you're unmovable. And see, then that's where I'm at. You know, I, I, I don't fear no man. I don't fear, you know, they can come tell me, but you know what? I do know that I planted some seeds all over the place, just like you have. And there's something man cannot stop. And that's why I say we operate on three different laws, spiritual, natural, and man's law. But we always focusing on man's law. That's what I said before. It's shaking. But when you look at who you really are, you look at that man in the mirror, you ask questions about you because you pretty much your answer is within yourself. When you exactly. stand up, stand in the gap of our people, and you're unmovable. You know, man, you, you, you can't be brought with a price. Right. Uh, hold the authority there, David. We've got to get a quick break here. Six minutes away from the top of the hour. We've got to check the traffic and weather in our different cities and the news in Baltimore. Folks, you want to join this conversation with uh, David Murphy. He's the publisher of the National Black Unity News. Hit us up at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV or on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL or information is power. Good morning again, family. Minute after the top there with David Murphy from the National Black Unity News in Baltimore. And, you know, earlier, David, you mentioned the fact that uh, how challenging it is and the responsibility it is to own media. And and on uh, Tuesday, uh, Miss Hughes was here, the, the owner of this the company, and she was uh, and broke down to just uh, ex- explain to us what she had to go through to start Radio One. Uh, and it started with this radio station, this this single radio station. Now it's a billion dollar company. You know, it's got like fifty eight radio stations, two radio networks, uh, two television networks, a digital panel, and all kinds of subsidiaries. That, that and it all started here. But w- w- when she agreed for the deal, they they tried it. Uh, they at the end of it, uh, as you mentioned, they they changed the rules, and, and you know, it gave her twenty four hours to come up with a hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money for black folks, and as a black woman fighting that, and that's because they're trying to block us each and every way because this is one of the reasons because they have a, a mouth like mine or hers on the radio or you with your newspaper but anyway uh, saying, saying all that to say that we got a challenge uh, down in richmond uh, where our company is trying to build a resort and we'll we'll hire thousands of our people and tim kane is blocking it tim kane the senator which we helped elect uh, sad to say because we had him on here several times he, he came out early and tried to block it so before the end of the day i'm going to give you tim kane's numbers for you folks in richmond you know what to do i have to tell you what to do you know what to do so we're going to give you tim kane's number and, and tell him just to back off you know because this this resource is going to bring jobs for our for our for our folks but he's trying to get it for somebody else. But uh, we put help put him in office so we can help take him out. So he needs to know that. And in fact, I, we gave out the number yesterday, and it already got it's already making some effect. He got a lot of calls from all over the country, outside of the country too. So he was surprised, and I think people were surprised at the reach that we have and the phone calls that got into his office in Richmond and into D.C. the Senate office. But before we uh, let you go, David. Because uh, you you have this this breakfast coming up because we got David Sullivan and, and Roy Weaver two authors coming up they're on deck right away but uh, the meeting Saturday 
uh, how can people get more information? Is the flyer? Can you send me a flyer so I can put it on social media so our folks can uh, can see it and get more information? Yes, I can. And uh, but they, you know, if, if it's all right, can I give out my information? Please. Yes, uh, you can call David Murphy at four four three four five five two three seven three. Again, David Murphy four four three. Four five five two three seven three, or you can go to tndun.com. There for the National Black Unity tndun.com. And Carl, I want to thank you so much for the work you've done doing and what you've done. And uh, and see, this is the power of us. See, you know, this is what you just that's case in point. When you have a platform such as this, it does make a difference. We make a difference. You made a difference. And so am I. So that's why I said all things are possible. If we keep our eyes off of them, we got to watch them, man. But we need to focus more on us. Thank you, sir. Well, you know what? Let me just throw this in there because I've had people in Baltimore tell me, you need to get a police chief on it. We need some white guy to, to, uh, to confirm what he's doing. We're always looking for the oppressor to, to validate himself. He's got all the other radio and TV stations in Baltimore. This is the only one we have. This is for us. So, you know, we're not, we don't, we're not, we're not, we're not concerned about what he's got to say. We're concerned about us. We don't give him, share the platform with him. That's what they're scared of, uh, David, because you can do the same thing with your newspaper. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yes, you're right about that. And that's why no matter what, by any means necessary, we have to press on and we 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 can't stop. What they're doing, but we can do what we need to do. So we just continue okay. what we do, and that's when change really takes place. Right. And that's why I'm going to give out Tim Kaine's number again. He's the one who's trying to block our project down there in, in Richmond. His it, it's D.C. Senate office number is 202-224-4024. That's 202-224-4024. And in Virginia, it's 804 804- uh, seven seven one twenty two twenty one. So that's Tim Kane, and just let him know. <laughs> you know, keep those calls going, so he'll understand. And this is the power of the media. This is why they don't want us to own our own media. And some folks, the, the, the sad part about it, some people in, in different areas too. We we concede to the oppressor. You know, we let them. Uh, we got to bring them in. You got to give them a platform. No. This is our platform. <laughs> so people don't understand that. So Dr. Fox has been trying to teach you, some of you folks who think like that, you're addicted to white. We're not addicted to white here. We have taken the anecdote. So that's, that's why we're here. And that's why you're not here. But I let me get off my platform because I got to get I move on to our next guest. But thank you, David. And thank you for what you do. Saturday, one, one more time, where are you going to be at the breakfast? We're going to be at the Art Social Club at 2426 Pennsylvania Avenue. It's 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And uh, it's free breakfast. You know, we do take donations. We invite all black men, no matter what age group you are, come and join us. It's a powerful, powerful breakfast. There's going to be some powerful, powerful brothers 
that that's doing for themselves and doing for us. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate you, sir. I really do. Right. I appreciate you too, man. Keep up the good work. Thank you, David. All right, folks, we're going to keep you, moving. Sir. Seven after the top there. Uh, David Sullivan, good morning. Carl, how are you? Pleased uh, excellent. To be, pleased to be here on your show. Thank you for thank you for the time. Uh, and Roy Weaver, good morning. Yes, great to be with you. And, and you guys wrote this book, an interesting book. Uh, I, I haven't read the book yet, i got to tell you that. And it's called Running Against the Grain, the Story of Philadelphia Eagles, the movie star Timmy Brown. So when I first thought, I thought it was Timmy Brown from uh, Notre Dame, the Heisman Trophy winning the Raiders, because he's been on this program uh, quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is another Timmy Brown. So, right. uh, so uh, David, tell us about this Timmy Brown, because I, th- I think he's older than, than the Timmy Brown, the, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner uh, from Notre Dame and, and the Raider player. So who, who's this? Uh, give us some background on him, David. Right. Well, Timmy Brown, uh, the Timmy Brown of our book, Running Against the Grain, uh, is a, he, he uh, was a football player and a television and movie actor. He came out of a small town in eastern Indiana, uh, went to Ball State University, became what there's, uh, they still see as their greatest athlete ever, uh, played for the Eagles, where he set records that uh, still exist, played in Super Bowl three for the Colts, and then uh, went on to be a uh, actor, uh, appeared on a number of TV shows and a number of Robert Altman movies, um, and uh, then in as his life went on, the that sort of gig died up, and he became a probation officer. So our book tells the story of what's a really a fascinating man in his times. Uh, and Roy, why, why Timmy Brown? Well, I was dean of Teachers College in February of 2008, and one of my responsibilities was to host uh, events for alumni. And Timmy Brown came to that event. And it was amazing because uh, as soon as he got there and began talking, he shared incredible stories, and everyone gathered around him and were intrigued and mesmerized by what he had to say. So afterwards, I cornered him and said, hey, Tim, is everybody ever approached you about writing a book about your life? And he said, no, no one had. And so that's how it began. And David became an editor in the project, and eventually a co-author and writer, along with a a colleague of mine at Ball State who is an an entertainment historian, Sean Shriver, and the three of us put put the book together. I'm I'm just looking at some of the headlines, uh, uh, the highlights of the book. Do you guys ever see this, putting this on the screen? Because I think it would make a great uh, movie. Well, it's interesting you'd say that. We've had a number of people uh, suggest that. David, do you want to share a little bit about that? Um, Well, I think the main thing is, boy, it would certainly be nice if somebody did. Uh, (laughs) So... But, but I don't. We don't have anything firm yet. But yeah, it would make a great cinematic story because you know, Timmy. Um, you know, he he knew that uh, the career of a pro athlete is short, and that was partly why he went on to uh, pay to uh, develop his career as an actor and as a singer. He went to take lessons in New York. Even while he was playing for the Eagles, he commuted up to New York once once a week so that he could become a professional at these things as well. It, it would be a, a great story to uh, unfold cinematically. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, that's interesting because many of these pro athletes, they they don't they live for the moment. You know, they they're not thinking. They think they're going to be playing ball. All those checks. I'll share a story with you. One of the Showtime Lakers after the, he retired, I ran into him at the airport. I said, "Hey, what's going on, man? What do you miss about retirement?" You know what he told me? He says, "I miss those checks, <laughs> those <laughs> those direct deposits every two weeks." He says, "That's what I miss. I don't miss the crowd, the adulation, the, the dunks, and all of that." That's what I miss. And he was serious about that. So I'm glad to know that, that, that Timmy was, was thinking, thinking ahead because that particular person uh, obviously wasn't thinking ahead. Right. Timmy was, I mean, he was not a big man. He was uh, five foot 10, 190 pounds, which accounted partly for his speed. Um, but yeah, he, he uh, the most he ever made in a year in playing football was $92,000. That was the year he went to the Super Bowl. Uh, first, when he started out, he was getting 7500 a year. Of course, it was uh, that was back when a car cost $2,500. But uh, certainly he uh, was aware that he had to provide for his future. And speaking about, let's talk about, you know, playing on the field, because you mentioned he was a star with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. He failed to impress uh, 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 Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi is like a god, especially in Green Bay. What happened there in Green Bay? Well, Vin, Vin, it was Vince's first year. He had just been hired by Green Bay, and the Packers at that time, I didn't know this until getting into the book, the Packers were kind of a joke team in the 1950s. And um, so he was selected late in the in the draft. He was from a small college that wasn't known for producing players, uh, athletes of any sort. And he didn't really fit Lombardi's image of how a football player should look. In fact, uh, when he met Lombardi, Lombardi said, you don't look like a football player. And Tim, who uh, didn't take, um, he was always wanting to come back with a rejoinder, said, uh, basically, uh, you don't really know what a football player looks like. Uh, This this did not endear him to Vince on his uh, first appearance, but he did play a number of uh, games on uh, the, the preseason tour that they had. He played the first game. He uh, didn't play it perfectly, and uh, Vince cut him. But later, Vince Lombardi wrote and said um, basically that he had made a mistake. He said, in spite of the never ending effort you make to understand every ball player, you can almost miss on some and actually miss on others, which was the closest Vince came to saying, whoops. Timmy Brown was cutting Timmy Brown was a mistake. Yeah, but that's got to be deflating if your coach is telling you you don't look like a football player, you don't look like a ball player. I mean, the, the, the person that you want to impress the most at this particular point in life is the coach, and he tells you you you, you don't look like a football player, and, and that's this one I'm, I am, and I know what I am. I'll tell you what, we've got to take mm-hmm. a short break and check the traffic and weather. Tell us how he handled that situation one more time, and, and also what happened when he went to the Eagles, because then what happened with, with them and the Cowboys, if you can express that to us. We're talking football right here, folks, with, with uh, David Sullivan and Roy Weaver. They've written a book. This book is about Tim Wheeler, not Tim Weaver, but uh, uh, Timmy Brown, not the Timmy Brown from Notre Dame. This is Timmy Brown before. So some of you older folks will probably know who he is. But we'll take your phone calls in four minutes, though, at 20, 14 after the top. They are right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. 
And good morning again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with uh, David Sullivan and Roy Weaver, the uh, two of the authors of the book, Running Against the Grain, the story of Philadelphia Eagle and movie star Timmy Brown. Before we go back to that, let me just remind you, at 2.20 Eastern time today, uh, 1.20 Central and 11.20 out in Pacific, uh, on the coast, Pacific time, uh, the FCC and FEMA, they're going to do a test. So it's going to be, if you've got, and everybody's got a cell phone, it's going to be on your cell phone. And they say it may interrupt your radio as well. And, and it's, they say it may take as long as 30 minutes. So it's, that's another program to discuss why they're doing it now and why this test. To those of you who've been around a while, this thing hasn't happened, so they want to make sure that the emergency works. So they're going to do this. Again, the, the times are 2.20 Eastern Time, uh, 1.20 Central, and 11.20 out on the West Coast. So this is when it's going to happen. So uh, and I've been told you can opt out. You can, uh, you know, call FEMA and, and tell them you don't want to be bothered. <laughs> you want your phone on or you want your radio on or whatever. But it, it's, it's going to take place anyway. And as, as I mentioned, there's probably another discussion to take place. But let's go back to it with David and Roy about this book about uh, Running Against the Grain, the story of Philadelphia Eagle and the movie star Timmy Brown. And those who don't know, we talked about what he did with Vince Lombardi. Some of you youngins don't know who Vince Lombardi was, but he, he was on parallel as a coach in the NFL, so much so that the Super Bowl trophy is named after him, the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, I'm just thinking about how many coaches have come close to Lombardi. Maybe Dallas had one at the time. Uh, maybe uh, Cleveland had one. But Vince Lombardi was head and shoulders above all the coaches. So uh, one of our tweeters has said that uh, uh, David and Roy says that his, uh, his, uh, Brown's re mistake was his response to Lombardi. Can you share that response with, when Lombardi told, Lombardi told him he wasn't, didn't look like a football player? Again? Right. So, so, uh, then, so this is sort of the conversation as it went. Gene said, so you're Brown. Tim said, yes, sir. And Vince's next line was, you don't look like a football player. And Tim's answer was, well, I'm not sure what you think a football player looks like. I'm not a big lineman. I'm a running back. Vince says, so you're a smart guy, huh? Timmy says, well, sir, I did just graduate from college. Get out of here, says Vince. That was, that wow. was their opening conversation. <laughs> oh, wow. That's not the conversation you want to have with your coach, your boss, or anybody. <laughs> you know. <No. laughs> yeah, you, that was you, a lot you're trying of to make the team of, get, get a job. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of feeling of don't unpack your bags, Tim. So, but, but also tell us now how is his success? Because you mentioned he told Vince Lombardi he was a running back, uh, led to the Philadelphia fans consuming hatred of the Dallas Cowboys. How did that come about? Um, well, this it began with a feat that Tim did that nobody had ever done before. He was the first player in history to run two kickoffs back for touchdowns in the same game. That was against Dallas on November 6th, 1966 in Philadelphia. And uh, it led to a 24-23 upset. Uh, Tom Landry, who I think uh, you may be thinking of in, in the, as a Dallas coach who was up in the same league as Lombardi, uh, he didn't like this very much, and he basically let it be known that he wanted revenge. Timmy got word from other players that the Cowboys were going to get even. So on a pass play where Timmy wasn't the intended receiver and wasn't even close to the play, he turned around and Leroy Jordan threw an elbow into his jaw and busted six teeth, the way a bowling oh, ball wow. knocks down a row of pins, according to uh, a sports columnist. And that's been credited in Philadelphia as why the Eagles fans so hate the Cowboys, which has always been a source of confusion to the Cowboys fans who don't really hate the Eagles quite as much. 
Yeah, well, there's no love for them in Washington, D.C., I can tell you that from the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you. I, you probably already know that already. But let's talk about Timmy, though, because uh, he lived in, in very segregated times, but he was easy to move into white areas as well and black areas. What was it about him, you know, that he, he had that dual ability? Because some, some of us can't switch. He know how they call it code switching in the hood. He, he was good at that. Explain that for yeah, us. Yeah, he... He, uh, early in his life, ended up, uh, after a family divorce, ended up up in foster homes and in elementary school went to an all-white school close to Cambridge, Indiana. And after that, he ended up in the Indiana Soldiers and Sailors Home in Knightstown, a small town. It was an orphanage. And he spent his high school years there. And he was one of the very few blacks in the school. And so... Uh, when he went to Ball State, he uh, joked sometimes that uh, other black students would look at him and say, you know, you're not black. And he attributed the fact that because he wasn't lived in a white culture for so long that he tended to talk more like and dress more like uh, white students. And yet he was very clear in admonishing those who claimed he was uh, more white than black and uh, went out of his way to demonstrate that he belonged. Uh, but he also said that uh, he felt segregation so strongly at times that it made him feel uncomfortable and that people tried to make him think that he was different. And he once said segregation was an irritable thing because I always felt equal, but I didn't dwell on it. I didn't really feel any animosity. And he experienced this racism throughout his life. He once was benched for two weeks in high school basketball for wrongly being accused of messing with a white girl. We'd only been talking with her. The coach encouraged him to admit to the accusation so he could continue to play. He refused, standing his ground and telling the truth. When Timmy started playing uh, in the NFL with the Packers, there were only about 50 black players in the league. In an exhibition game against Washington, the only team in the league, as you know, whose owner prohibited black players, Timmy and three other black Packers could not stay with the team at Greensboro's Oaks Motel. They went to dorm rooms at North Carolina A&T. Timmy was incensed. He said, this is bullshit. We're supposed to be a team, and we shouldn't have to uh, stay by ourselves. He was talked out of protesting later by another player, and he went on to, in the game, to uh, run a 22-yard pass play that led to a score that defeated the Redskins in that uh, exhibition game. But he was never afraid to stand up and be seen as a proponent for integration and advocating for the rights of all people. He was an incredible human being in that regard. Wow. Is that the end, the only time that he really stood out and and stood up? You know, because I guess when, when people say that you think white at white and then you have to you got this chip on your shoulder, you got to prove that I'm really black. I'm really a brother. Was that the only time that he was challenged that way? No, there, there are other other stories that, that, we, that we could share in that regard. And uh, um, he, he was not bashful. Um, um, but he always said that he he didn't get loud and boisterous. He said, when I get angry, I get quiet. And he got thoughtful. And uh, he often, by the way he acted and his personality, he had a calmness, a composure to him that 
it, it served him well as he tried to deal with other people and relate to other people. All right, 30 minutes after the top of the hour. Uh, Jay in Detroit is joining us. Jay's on line one. Jay, you're on with David and Roy. We're talking about the book about uh, Timmy Brown. Good morning, Jay. Yes, good morning. Uh, I came in late, so interesting uh, topic. I'm going to have to find this book and put it in my collection because I most remember Timmy Brown as the kick returner uh, with the Eagles and uh, (laughs) during that time – when Jim Brown was king of the NFL, he was, you know, they called him Jimmy Brown back then. So, but I, I do remember him, and I do remember him. Was Timmy Brown ever in the movie Devil in a Blue Dress? Was that one of the movies that he was in? It's, I'm not. Um, Roy, do you I remember? So. I don't. That, that one doesn't ring a bell. Tim. No. Uh, yeah, Tim. Okay. Did, Tim did uh, star in a number of movies um in, in some of them were uh part of the black exploitation movies as they were known in the 1970s but he also of course was in uh, mash and nashville both movies by uh, robert altman and he appeared on a number of tv shows but but uh i don't i don't recall him being in that in that movie um okay and, i'd have to check myself because i think yeah he might have had a little chance. Anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. No, that, very interesting information, and I definitely want to get that book because that well, was... I would certainly in- encourage you to go to our website, which is eagle22.org. That's E-A-G-L-E 22.org, not .com, and you can order the book there, or you can, and we certainly encourage you to buy it through uh, a Amazon or through a bookstore, certainly one that serves a community like Hakeem's in West Philadelphia, or we've heard great things about Sankofa in Washington. So, Okay. Is Timmy Brown uh, still alive? or? Uh... No, he he passed away on April 4, 2020, uh, the result oh, wow. of f- football injuries, injuries uh, dementia, and Parkinson's. Oh, okay. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, he was doing the golden era. The Eagles weren't <laughs> that great, you know, since 1960. You know, when they won in 1960, then they had a drought. But that was back in the days where you only had the Western and Eastern Division, so as far as the NFL goes. So in- interesting time. So definitely I'm going to check that out because uh, that's the era that I grew up in. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you sir. All right. Thanks, Jay. Interesting that uh, he passed away because of dementia. We, we talked about dementia yesterday, and 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 now we're talking about with injuries in football players because we know the, the equipment they had and is not the equipment they had today, and and uh, we'll find all uh, problems with uh, some of these later day football players uh, from getting from injuries when they were their playing days. Uh, did he know that at that time that it, the dementia was caused by uh, his football playing days? Well, he he was he saw he was an examined by a neurologist on November 14, 2013, about a month after that book came out from UCLA researchers called League of Denial, the NFL Concussions in the Battle for Truth. And so he was somewhat aware of some of the research that appeared um, after the results came out. He was diagnosed with symptoms of dementia and uh uh, Parkinson's. And uh, so he knew then, and he, he lived another seven years. Uh, uh, but 
over time, he began to show signs of increasing memory loss and physical changes. And on one occasion, he called a friend because I got lost while walking at night. And she found him later lost, scared and exhausted. And in time, he was like others. He was incapable of handling his bills and could no longer drive. And he became dependent on the use of a cane, Parkinson's. And so uh, you saw a gradual deterioration over time. But in the book, we talk a little bit about the history of this and how it affected him and his family and how they dealt with it. And so anyone who is experiencing this with family members in their own lives, I think, would find some uh, solace and, and, uh, and some empathy and some interest in learning more about what he did compared to what they may have done or are doing. All right. Uh, 26 away from the top. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Check the latest news, traffic and weather in our different cities. Also, the book is titled Running Against the Grain, the story of Philadelphia Eagle and movie star Timmy Brown. We want to get into his movie life when we get back. Cause hang, out, told, hang out with some celebrities as well. Folks, you want to join this conversation? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. And the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. W-O-L, where information is power. Hey, good morning again, family. 20 minutes away from the top there with our guest David Sullivan and Roy Reaver, the two of the writers of the book called Running Against the Green, the story of Philadelphia Eagle and movie star Timmy Brown. And we get into his movie efforts in a moment, but I just want to remind you, it's not the, the Tim Brown that some of you know uh, went to Notre Dame, the Heisman Trophy winner went on to the Raiders, because I know he's been on here a few times, that Timmy Brown's in, in uh, lives in Vegas now, but uh, the Timmy Brown we're talking about is deceased. Before we go back to him, I uh, just got to, re- uh, to remind you, no classes today at Morgan State University following last night's campus shooting. Uh, it, this campus is open, but there's no classes today, and, and this is homecoming week uh, at Morgan. And the shooter still hasn't been apprehended. So if you know uh, students at Morgan, just check on them and make sure everything is cool. Because four of the students got wounded. We're not quite sure wh- uh, what the situation is with those those students. And coming up later this morning, we're going to speak to our, our uh, faith panel. And then we're going to talk about heaven. And if you co- talk about heaven, you got to talk about hell. And we want to find out what do you th- thoughts think of We discuss religion. Is it about uh, is it about fear? And uh, later on, uh, we're going to speak with the Universal African People's Organization founder, Brother Zaki Baruti. And tomorrow, Neely Fuller Jr. will be here, and also Chairman Fred Hampton was going to join us as well. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, uh, David and Roy, let's, let's go back to on, on uh, speaking about Timmy Brown, the movie star. But before we get uh, Timmy... Timmy, would, he moved in a lot of circles with a lot of famous and, and rich folks as well, including Donna Ross. <laughs> Tell us about that, that story. Yeah, uh, Timmy, was a, uh, he appeared and was a guest at a, a pretty well-known nightclub here in the Philadelphia area called Latin Casino. And he was there with Dion Warwick. Uh, who he had been, who he was more friends with than, than romantic. And Diana Ross was, in the Supremes were performing. And uh, Timmy made it clear that she sort of, he felt he, she sort of swooped, uh, swooped in on him. And um, they, he had a two year relationship with her. And he was a, a guest at a number of Supremes concerts. And the other uh, interesting thing, Timmy lived with a family in West Philadelphia in a house that, um, strangely enough, uh, was burned down during the the move situation back in the 1980s, if you remember that. And 
um, he would be so beat up from a game that he just wouldn't want to hang out there. And so Diana Ross would serve as like the hostess for other players. And so they'd go over to his house to meet Diana Ross. Um, so he, they, uh, they were uh, romantically involved, although there's some feeling that uh, her real target was Barry Gordy, that she was trying to get Barry to marry her, and uh, Timmy was a way to make him jealous. Um, but he certainly knew, you know, he, he went, he was D.D. Sharp's prom date at her high school prom at Overbrook High School in Philadelphia. And um, so he, he got to know a, lo- a lot of people through his uh, prominence and his acting and singing careers. Well, we, yeah, he, well, was, he was school. also, uh, he was also best man at Chubby Checker's wedding. He was best man for the Kansas City Chief Hall of Famer, Bobby Bell. Um, and he was oh, very wow. good friends with, with Jim Brown. In fact, you're talking about a movie. He was in a movie Pacific Inferno with Jim. And that movie took them to fill in location in the Philippines. And a highlight of that trip was uh, he and Jim Brown having dinner with President Ferdinand Marcos and his wife Imelda at their palace. Uh, he had met Jim Brown when Timmy was in college. In fact, that's where they first met Jim was here in Muncie um, speaking as a representative of uh, Pepsi-Cola at the time. And, uh, of course, they kept in touch. In fact, uh, you, you alluded to the fact that uh, uh, Timmy's name is not Tim. In fact, he and Jim Brown agreed that uh, it, it would be uh, conflicting to have uh, Tim and Jim. And so Timmy agreed to go by Timmy instead of Tim. That's how his name was changed at the time. But uh, they were very good friends through most of their life. In fact, uh, they lived very close to one another in L.A., just down the street. And uh, uh, they they were very competitive with one another. They played a uh, basketball game against each other. They, they played uh, chess against each other. And so they were friends uh, for much of their lives together. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, uh, uh, Jim, Jim Brown, always competitive. Everything is a competition. Yeah. One of those kind of... Yeah. But uh, how, did, how did he break into the movie industry? Because, you know, a lot of people... You know, you just don't walk in and, and you get cast in Central and, and you selected. How do you do that? Well, he, he started on uh, stage. I mean, first, of course, he had done uh, singing engagements, but he then, and then 
as I noted, he went to New York to take both acting and singing lessons. And he was cast at uh, Bucks County Playhouse in an acting role. Uh, Bucks County Playhouse was at that time a very prominent regional theater. Um, he acted in the Thurber Carnival. Um, then he next was a guest star on uh, Wild Wild West with Robert Conrad. And after he retired from football after the 1969 season, uh, he moved to Los Angeles to uh, basically become uh, acting full time. Of course, Jim Brown had uh, done that. And Fred Williamson, who was also a, a friend of Timmy's, of course, also segued into a, a movie career. But Tim was the only one of them who had really tried to take acting lessons and become uh, a fully proficient actor. So he just had an agent out there. He appeared in uh, Mary Tyler Moore. And then he had a minor role in MASH, the movie, which became um, his stepstone to what was his greatest uh, movie role, which was in uh, Robert Altman's Nashville. Uh, explain, because, you know, MASH was a big TV show. I remember MASH. Some of you remember MASH was one of the longest running intelligence shows. Uh, and he, I understand that he appeared in, in MASH. It must have been some of the earlier ones, because when I started watching, I didn't see uh, people like him. But uh, explain that. How did he got into to MASH? He uh, he. So he was cast in the movie. Um, there's a. He was cast basically because he was a football player for the movie. And one of the enduring mysteries is at the end of Mash the movie. If you remember it, uh, I think it's Radar goes over and talks about the main stars of the movie, such as Elliot Gould, and um, and at the, and says and Tim Down as Corporal Judson, I believe it was Corporal and. Uh, Tim's role wasn't that big. People didn't have any idea why Robert Altman had singled him out, but he he uh, remembered him. And then so when they went to cast the TV show, uh, he, the role of uh, Spear Chucker Jones, if you remember that uh, character, he was in the swamp. He was living in the swamp with uh, Alan Alda and Wayne Rogers. And after six episodes, he disappeared in – and you can find three or four different stories on why. Uh, Tim said that the show's staff discovered that there were no black army doctors during the Korean War, and that was the reason. But it turned out that there were black army doctors during the Korean War. Um, Corporal, if you remember Jamie Farr, who played Corporal Klinger on that show, he said that there were just too many characters uh, and they had to get rid of some. And then Tim also had an agent who said, no, you'll do better in movies than you will in TV shows. Uh, but Larry Gelbart, who was the creator of MASH, the TV series, said, described it as Tim Brown did a very strange thing. And he could have been with that show for 11 years. Wow. Ten away from the top. I tweeted this before. Uh, before you even mentioned about Spear Trucker, Spear Trucker Jones, he said the first season of MASH series uh, as Dr. Oliver Harmon, Spear Trucker Jones. He said, get to that. They wanted me to get to that, but you guys already uh, mentioned that. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for the tweeter who sent me that, Spear Trucker Jones. Uh, so what what happened then to, to because he, he says he met with Alan Alda, who's the star, and Wayne Rogers, as well, the, the co-star of MASH, and Robert Altman. How did all this meeting come about? How did they decide? Because, you know, people are wondering out there, how, you know, just some walking and be on TV like that. How did that happen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he had been with uh, 
Robert uh, Gold and uh, Elliot Gold and Robert Duvall. Uh, they were screening the movie, and at the movie, uh, they asked Timmy what had happened with he and Altman, and so he approached Altman, and Altman said, "Well, you just need to understand who's in charge." And uh, Tim considered that he had just simply been blackballed by Altman. And the reason was, uh, according to Gold and to Duvall, was that Timmy had beaten him in a game of chess. And that uh, uh, Altman was so incensed that that was the rationale for his no longer uh, supporting Timmy in movies. Now, whether that's accurate or not, but that's certainly, certainly Tim's impression of what occurred. It's an interesting story. And the, the book is interesting as well. The, it's running against the grain, the story of Philadelphia Eagle and movie star Timmy Brown, a nine away from the top of the hour with two of the writers, David Sullivan and Roy Weaver. After the, Hollywood, though, it became a probation officer. How did, how did that transition come about? Yeah, he, he began uh, volunteer work uh, for the Los Angeles uh, probation office or county office. And uh, he was so successful at that work uh, that just a few years later, about three or four years later, he was offered a more permanent position. And he spent about five years of his life working with youth gangs uh, and the last five years of his life with adult probation. And in 1987, he won an outstanding uh, volunteer award. Uh, presented by uh, Henry Winkler, the icon for the Fonz uh, movie. And so he spent uh, a little over a decade working with troubled youth and gangs and mentoring them. And he felt that that was giving back in a way that others had given to him. All right. I got to ask you this question, though, especially for our, our listeners out in, in the D.C. areas or uh, fans of the Washington Football Club. How did Timmy end up playing his last year with the Colts and what did he do in Super Bowl three? Well, he he uh, he didn't get along with his with uh, Kuharich, who was the coach of the uh, Eagles. They they uh, just didn't get along from from day one, and Kuharich's assistant coaches liked him even less, and so he was traded to uh, the Colts. He did not. He had been hoping he would play for the Giants or Rams, um, but he wasn't, and he didn't like uh, Baltimore very much, and uh, so that was his last year. And his last game, however, of course, was Super Bowl three, which is the only appearance of the of the Jets in the Super Bowl. And the night before the game, he spent some time with with Joe Namath, who was going to be the opposing quarterback. And uh, he found out later that while Namath was ordering drinks for him, Namath was drinking water himself. Uh, so every time Joe said, Broadway Joe said, bring him another one, it turned out that uh, they were, it wasn't vodka that Joe was getting there. And uh, so Timmy ended his uh, career with the Super Bowl, but not not in a winning effort. Oh, wow. What a story. Listen, we got to take another check of the traffic and weather. We come back, we wrap up with David Sullivan and Roy Weaver discussing their book, Running Against the Grain, the story of Philadelphia Eagle and movie star Timmy Brown. We'll be back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Keep 
And good morning again, family. Minute after the top of the hour, momentarily speaking, we're with the faith panel discussing heaven. But for, let's wrap up with David Sullivan and Roy Weaver, their book about uh, Timmy Brown. Uh, David, give us the title of the book if, if one more time, and Roy, tell us how we can pick up copies. Uh, the title of the book is Running Against the Grain, uh, the story of Philadelphia Eagle and movie star Timmy Brown. And uh, you yeah. can buy it through uh, Amazon or order it through Barnes and Noble, certainly. But we also encourage people to order it through book bookstores that serve a community and their own community of readers, such as Sankofa Books in Washington or Hakeem's in West Philadelphia. And we also uh, would, uh, encourage you to go to yeah. our website at eagle22.org because you can see video of Timmy playing football and uh, you can order the book through there. All right. Uh, and uh, again, I'm, I'm saying just, just having this conversation with both of you, this this has got to be put on the screen somewhere. Somebody's got to put this, tell this story, if, even if it's a documentary. All these outlets that we have, hope you guys do that. And please let us know when it happens. I'm sure it's going to happen. We appreciate that for having us today. We really appreciate Carl. Yeah, letting us tell Timmy's story this way has been great. So thank you very much, Carl. Uh, no, thank you. Alive. That's right. <laughs> David Sullivan and Roy Weaver, the book about Timmy, Timmy Brown. Timmy, not, not the Eisman Trophy win. That's, that's another story there with Timmy uh, from Notre Dame and the Raiders. That's one that most of you are probably familiar with because he's been on here a few times. Two minutes after the top of the hour, though, uh, see the Pastor, Man- Pastor Curran has joined us. Pastor Curran Manning, good morning. Good morning, Brother Carl. Good to be on this show again. Yeah, we want to talk about heaven. You know, having this discussion with an atheist, the, the atheist tells me there's no such thing as heaven, that uh, this is what religious people do just to, just to uh, f- keep us in a, a state of fear, that, that, you know, if you don't do right, you're going to go to heaven. So explain that to me, why you believe there is a heaven, and if there is a heaven, that means there's got to be a hell, if we're using Neely Fuller's logic, but go ahead. Right. <clears throat> Well, I, I'm I'm excited about the topic. You know, there's an old saying and an old song that says everybody talking about heaven ain't going to heaven. Um, it gets a lot of conversation. Usually, interesting enough, if heaven is a place that, that Christians believe where we spend eternal life, um, it's only talked about um, at funerals. And I found in in my line of work, especially being a pastor who pastors a community here, um, you know, for for lack of a better word, a lot of times the gang funerals and all of those 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 spaces I've been in, where everybody puts everybody there, you know, um, and they say things like, "I know they're gone to a better place" and all of this. Um, heaven gets, you know, it, it it's misunderstood, and and I'll I'll begin by saying that I'm definitely not an expert on heaven, but I do believe what the scriptures what the scriptures show us. And there is a, a wonderful um, picture of heaven and description of heaven that comes out as we read as we read the scriptures. We know that it is considered to be the place where God where God dwells, where God resides. Um, but there's also implications in the scriptures that that show us that that heaven is multidimensional. Um, different realms, different levels, almost like, a, you know, back in the day we had department stores and, you know, you had to go to a certain level for the men's, for the men and a certain level for this, for the luggage and all of that. Well, for example, the scriptures tell us um, in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. So um, 
one view of heaven that the scriptures show us is the sky the 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 atmosphere right above us where the where the heavenly bodies or the planets and the sun and all of these wonderful beings um and 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 things exist but then there's another conversation that John has about going up into a higher realm of heaven um where where the Lord dwells there's another um image of heaven um when we talk about Job right when it that's one that that's kind of interesting because the Bible says that that every morning the Lord is there and the and the angels are there and Satan shows up almost as if it's a court it's a court um session and there's a conversation that he's having with God and God says have you considered my servant Job so it's it's very vast the conversation but I do believe according to the scriptures that those who put their faith in Christ will spend eternity with him um, and those who do not will also um, spend eternity, uh, will, will also live again, rather, um, but not with Christ. It will be eternal damnation. So this is one of those things, you know, I don't I, I don't have arguments with atheists um, because at the end of the day, in my heart, you know, we will find out. I know that God loves an atheist, and I know that, that um you know, when an atheist, someone says to me, I don't believe in God, I'll just smile at them and I say, well, don't worry, God believes in you. Um, and when it comes to heaven, I think it is an interesting conversation to have so that we will be, if nothing else, from my point of view, I want everybody to be prepared for um, for life after after death. Well, you know what, you know, if that's the case, why does everybody go to heaven then? Why Why do you use that as a sort of a club over our heads? you got to behave us. You're not yeah. going to heaven. If God is, is a God like you talk, you just mentioned how God is a forgiving God. He loves everybody. Yeah. Are we all going to heaven then? Shouldn't that be well, the case, Pastor? That's it. That's a great question, and that's what we wrestle with down here because, like I said, we put everybody in heaven. And, you know, to be honest with you, I've done so many of these. I've had so many of these times where I've been with people where I don't take the time in that moment to refute them because I know that the truth is we don't know. We can't, those of us who are alive can't be sure 100% where a person is going um, if we're if we're tracking with them or if we're not tracking with them, um, you know that's a whole other question. But but yeah, if God is so good, why you know why would he he not put everyone in heaven? Well, one of the things I do remind people um, as as we have conversations at the end of life is that heaven. I put it this way, brother Carl. I tell them heaven is a gated community, and when I say that, I mean that that God has provided eternal life, and heaven was created. For God's creation, heaven was created for us, and and the Bible is clear that hell, which I believe is is a real place as well, was not created for us. But there are stipulations, there there are requirements, um, there's conditions to eternal life with Him, and that's believing in Him. So for the one who does not believe and receive this wonderful gift of eternal life, um, then why would why would you know my argument to the atheist is why would God force heaven on on everybody if everybody doesn't believe that's another way of looking at it um so so there's a couple of ways you can think about these things but but 
it's not that God is um, not fair. That's almost to say God is not fair if he doesn't let everybody in heaven. Well, um, the fairness of God cannot be compared, but that has nothing to do with where we spend eternity. That's a decision that's on us based on our belief in in what he has provided for us and accepting that wonderful provision. All right, nine after the top air, just join us. We're talking religion with 50% of the faith brothers, Pastor Kerwin Mann, and he's decided to, he's going to tackle the issue of, of heaven. I got a tweet for you, and people want to talk to you, uh, Pastor Kerwin. But here's one of the questions. They say that uh, Peter is going to be the gatekeeper and decide whether we get in or not, and he's going to tell us to look at our, our life and tell us whether we're going to get in or not. All right, I'll go with that story. So how about heaven? Who's going to decide whether we go there or not? Is it, Who's the equivalent of St. Peter? Uh, downstairs. Well, I think we we are the deciders of that based on our our actions, based on our belief, based on you know how we treat others. You know, I, I have, you know, I'm, I'm not as popular in some Christian circles, brother Carl, because I challenge um, some of the things that we we make so so grandiose. Um, some of it is often simply just cultural. Um, when it comes to to sometimes how we worship and and what happens in our services, and some people say you have to do it this way and you have to say all these things, but I always refer when it comes to getting into heaven, um, the the one of the great qualifications to me is found in Matthew twenty five, when the Lord says, you know, there's going to be a separating of like sheep and goat are separated by a, by a farmer. Um, and one he'll put at his right hand and one at the left hand, and, and he'll say to one group, enter into the kingdom that was prepared for you. That's heaven. That's where I get where I get that from in Matthew 25. It was prepared for you. And he said, how do you get in? Because I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was, I was a prisoner and you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a stranger and you took me in. And they said, well, when did we see you? Um, naked or hungry or thirsty. And then he says, when you've done this to the least of these, you've done this to me. And then he provides the same example to those who will not make it in. And he, he the, 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 the um, result is eternal damnation for them. And he says, because I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty. You didn't give me anything to drink. I was a prisoner and you didn't visit me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. I was a stranger and you didn't take me. And they said, when didn't, when didn't we see you? And he said, well, when you, when you refuse the least of these, you refused me. You turned me away. So, so when you want to talk about qualifications of getting in, one of the, the major considerations in my heart is how we treat others and how we receive others as if they, we're literally receiving Christ. It's not the favoritism. It's not the grand poobah seats that we put on our stages and the and the mighty men and women of God get the big chalice cup instead of just a water bottle. You know, it's not all of these things that we, we make church for us. I get it, but it's really about how we treat others and receive others as if we were receiving Christ. 
All right, 12 after the top there with Pastor Curry Manning. He's decided to tackle the issue of, of heaven. One thing, or hell, if you will, because they go together. One thing every one of us is going to find out if it's heaven or a hell. That's for sure. What are your thoughts, folks? Where do you think you're going? 800-450-7876. We're coming up on a break. I got a tweet question for you, uh, Pastor Manning. And also, Robert in Kansas City's got a question for you. Uh, the tweet question goes, Pastor Manning, do you tell the folks in a funeral for known gangsters and murderers, families, that this his boy's going straight to hell. If you don't, what do you say to them? So that that's the question. Now let me read it again because we're coming up on a break. I'll, I'll let you answer on, for the break. The, the, the question goes like this. Pastor Manning, do you tell the folks in a funeral for a known gangster or a murderer's family that their boy that is going straight to hell? If you don't, what do you say to them? I'll let you t give us the answer after that. And Robert in Kansas City is on the line. He's got a question for you. Folks, you two can join us. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Speak to Pastor Kerwin Manning. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. Good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest, uh, one of the Faith Brothers, Pastor Curran Manning, discussing heaven. Of course, you can't have a discussion about heaven without talking about hell. Before we do that, though, let me just uh, remind you, coming up uh, this afternoon, well, actually, uh, 2.20 Eastern Time and uh, 1.20 Central Time and 11.20 Pacific Time out there where uh, Pastor Manning is, the FCC and FEMA, they're going to conduct a test, so they, your phone's going to be out of order, and, it's, and they tell me it's going to affect TV and radio as well. So again, the, this is a special emergency warning that they're using. It's going to take place... Uh, uh, 2.20 Eastern Time, 1.20 Central, and 11.20 Pacific Time. And, you know, phone, you won't be able to use your phone. They tell me it may last about 30 minutes. If you want to opt out, they, they, they say you can call FEMA, 800-621-3362. But, you know, you have to go through all these changes to, you know, figure out if you want to opt out. You want your phone, be able to use your phone at 20 or you listen to your radio. I don't know how the radio folks are going to handle that. But that's going to happen today. Bigger question is why now? You know, but all of a sudden now we just, they're using this emergency management system. They're trying to figure out how they can contact all of us at the same time. And I don't know what happens if you don't have a phone or, you know, if you're out of pocket and not a phone. But anyway, that's I just want to make you aware of that. Before we left, though, uh, uh, Furman tweeted a question for Pastor Manning. And he said, Pastor Manning, do you tell the folks in a funeral for a known gangster or murderer's family that this boy, that he's going straight to hell? If you don't, what do you say to them? Yeah, that's I, that's a great question, um, and the answer is I don't tell them that because, uh, <clears throat> to be truthful, I don't know if that person is going straight to hell. Um, and again, the example that I use, um, I, I tell them the truth. I don't I don't lie to people um, when they when they put their loved ones in in heaven just automatically. Um, I don't just jump on that bandwagon either. I try to take that opportunity to share with the people in front of me who are alive. Um, the importance of being prepared. And the other thing I share with them is just how it grieves my heart that usually I, I see them, but usually I see them at the funeral. So they only know there's a, a, a large percentage of our population, especially in the African-American community, who only know the God of the funeral for whatever reasons. They, they don't know church. They don't know the God of love and joy and it's only one dimensional. This is where I go when my homie dies. But the other thing um, I tell them is that they've got to be prepared. 
Um, it, the, and the reason, Carl, that I can't tell them they're homie, regardless of what they've done, is going to hell, going to, going to what we used to say, bust hell wide open. <laughs> I don't say that because I always think of the story in Luke 23 of the two criminals that hung on the cross next to Jesus. Um, as far as their family was concerned and society, based on what they had done and their own admission, they deserved to die. They were criminals. Um, one of them mocked Jesus and says, if you're the son of God, this would be a great time for you to show us, you know, to save yourself. And while you're at it, save us. Then the other criminal said, you know, you know, he said, man, you need to, you know, this is my, my Kerwin Manning's um, um, paraphrase, man, hush your mouth. We, we up here because we deserve to be up here, but this man didn't do anything. Then he says to Jesus, all three of them are dying. They're actively dying. He says to Jesus, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus replied to this man in Luke 23, 43. Jesus said, I assure you, today you'll be with me in paradise. So so my, my point of reading that scripture, we can talk about paradise being another another section area of heaven. Um that that obviously Jesus wasn't lying. He said, today <clears throat> you'll be with me in paradise. We know there was still some work for Jesus to do um, after he died. He still had to take those keys from death, hell, and the grave. But but back to this, um, I don't believe that thief's family, I don't believe the community, I don't believe the judge that sentenced him and all of the people that were affected by his, his wrongdoing, I don't believe they knew they were privy to this conversation on the cross, this intimate conversation between three dying men. Yet Jesus rescues his life in in one of his last breaths. So nobody knew, the point is, nobody knew that this criminal made it into heaven. They all thought. And with gangsters and anybody else, we really, like I said in the beginning, we really don't know. But we can use that time to comfort people. So I get in the grief with them because I've experienced loss as a human before. And then I share with them the importance of being prepared. The word prepared suggests that you're, you're, you're already, you're ready in advance for what's next. And the Bible tells us how important it is to be prepared, to prepared to meet our maker, prepared for the afterlife, prepared for eternity in John five twenty five and on, prepared to, to determine, we determine now where we will spend eternity. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right. Well, let me jump in and ask you this, because on that tweet question. So, so the gangster is lying in the coffin right now, and you tell his his fellow homies because they're going to say, "Hey, man, we'll see you again. We'll see you on the other side." Do you use that opportunity to to tell them to try to have them change their ways, or just say, "Yeah, you'll see him again," and 
but not knowing they're not knowing not tell them you'll see them downstairs or upstairs let's just use that as yeah. a metaphor <laughs> yeah i do i go into it you know you know i'm 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 a part of the hip hop generation as well. Like when I grew up, Bone Thugs and Harmony was a big group, and um, they had this song called Crossroads, right? Some of the listeners remember. See you at the crossroads, so you won't be lonely, lonely. It, it was a nice tune, and in the video, it had a picture of Easy E um, up in the clouds, like he was in heaven, and they talk. You know, it's almost like a, you know where all of the homies are going. And all of that, and I say, you know, heaven is not going to be the crossroads with Easy E in the clouds and others. Um, I don't know, I don't know if Easy E made it in, but just that image of you can do anything and be anything, and heaven is just where you go. So I, I, I tell them about heaven being a gated community and about um, being ready and making arrangements to be able to make it there. But I also, you know, I also try to dispel the myth of hell. You know, we've been sold this image that hell, you know, back in the day they had a commercial that hell was, you know, when people get to hell, the devil is there in a red three-piece suit with a pitchfork and a six-pack of Coke 45 or whatever it was, the beer that he had, like it was a big party. And and I and I talk about hell at that point, too, to, to remind them that according to scriptures, hell is a place where there will be um, weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be fire and brimstone. <clears throat> there will be um people who are who are um not only burning but but being tortured um all the time there is no relief there is no um time out there is no um water bucket to quench your thirst it's a place in more and more than any of those images of of pain and suffering hell is a place where god will not reside so i i try to get them to think about that even here on earth when we're not doing right and we don't care about God, God's presence is still here on earth and God's people are here and there is some relief. But hell is a place where there will be no relief. And it's a place ultimately, again, from Matthew 25, that was not designed for humanity. It's because of the the sin of man, the fall of man, that hell was, was introduced even to our narrative. But we can escape that. Um, and prevent that by putting our trust and faith in Christ. All right, 28 out of the top of the hour. Pastor Kerwin Manning got a bunch of folks who want to talk to you, so let's go to them first on line two. Robert's calling from Kansas City. Good morning, Robert. You're on with Pastor Kerwin. Yes, good morning, uh, Pastor Curry. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Brother Robert. It's good to good to talk to you. Okay, here's the question. Uh, in uh, Psalms 37, 11, and Matthew 5 and 5, in the King James Bible, both of those two scriptures say that the meek shall inherit the earth. Well, Christ said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. So if the meek are going to inherit the earth, and Christ is also meek, <laughs> that means that he's going to inherit the earth. So why would heaven be anywhere else besides on the earth if the meek, if the meek are going to inherit the earth. Because another way of looking at this like this, why would the meek inherit the earth and heaven be somewhere else? You know, what's the point in inheriting the earth if heaven is going to be somewhere else? So here's the question. If heaven is going to be on the earth, just as I just explained, why do we tell people when our parents and our grandparents die or our friends die that they've gone to heaven? Yeah, that's a great question, and and I preface 
all of my comments by saying, I hope you were listening from the beginning, that I don't consider myself to be an expert in all of this. But let me let me take a let me let me just share what I believe the scriptures kind of point to. You're absolutely right. Um, I, my answer would be it's not an either or, but it's a both and because um, the Bible clearly um, gives us descriptions of heaven and and clearly gives us description of heaven and the heavens not being the literal earth. But you're also right in the sense that um, John says in, in Revelation, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I believe um, the final in, in the final day um, after the resurrection that, that there will be a restoration of all things um, literally and physically so that there will be a new earth that we will reside a new heaven and a new earth um and everything will be fulfilled according to God's God's promise. So I believe I believe and again um from the scriptures that I've read and and some of the things I've I've um been taught and exposed to I do believe that there will be a a literal transformation of the earth that we now live in. To I, I follow to we, Robert Robert's question, Pastor Manny. Uh, people say the heaven, for black folks, they say the heaven is really here on earth. And this is a way to control us, to, to us to be goody two-shoes while the other folks are keeping oppressing us and we won't rise up and rebel. Your thoughts on that? Is 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 uh, heaven really here on earth? Or what's the deal? Are we being fooled? I don't believe, I, I don't believe the condition of our lives right now is heaven on earth. Um, and again, what what is you know when we ask ourselves what is heaven to me? Some some people will say, well, when when I don't have to work any longer and but all of my needs are met, my family's taken care of. That's heaven to me. You know, some will say, well, if if I had access to all the women that I want, that would be heaven to me. Someone some others would say, man, if if I had all the weed or whatever, um, or just if some would say, you know, if, if if I could live in peace, if there was peace with my brothers and sisters and between nations, that would be heaven. Um, those are conditions that um, that we that that someone may desire. Some of them may be good. Some of them may be false expectations. But none of them describe, and none of them describe the heaven here where we live, um, where um, in, in a real sense, um, because. The Bible tells us in heaven there will be um there it says we will study war no more um the fact that that we fight the fact that we've got nations and people against people the fact that we um have african Americans um are still being oppressed and mistreated, and some of our conditions the conditions of our lives and our existence are 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 worse or just as bad or worse than they were during slavery i mean the black one of the one of the things I learned, um, Brother Carl, the black infant mortality rate for African Americans is is the same as it was in the 1800s. That doesn't make sense to me. With the advancement of of, of technology, with with the access to medical systems, why is it that our people are and, and our women are and our children are dying um, before even getting a chance? Um, and those that hasn't been changed in all of these years. Um, so, so there's. I couldn't imagine um, where we live and what's happening around us um, being any semblance of heaven right now. But the Bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And I believe when we're finally present with Him, apart from the cares of this world, 
um, um, Corinthians says, verse 13 says, we'll see things clearly. Right now we, we see um, it, it, it's not as clear as it could be, but when we see him, we'll understand all, we'll see it all, and it'll all be explained in our hearts in that moment when we are with him. And I don't believe right. we're there right now. Hold that thought right there, uh, Pastor Manning. we got to take a short break. i got to check the news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. Dr. Edmonds has checked in as well. We'll get with him after we come back. Folks, what are your thoughts about this? Where are you going, heaven or hell? Have you thought about it? 800-450-7876. Those are numbers to call. Speak to the Faith Brothers. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Information is power. And good morning, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with the Faith Brothers, Pastor Curry Manning and Dr. Edmonds has joined us as well. So if you have questions about heaven, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Before we go back to them, let me just remind you folks, especially if you have relatives or friends at Morgan State University, there's no classes today following last night's campus shooting. Five people were shot, four of them students, and all this taking place in homecoming week. But the... Uh, they still haven't found the shooter yet. So just be careful and mindful about that. Again, that's that shooting that took place at at uh, uh, Morgan State University. And this morning, the police commissioner, Richard Wally, had a pre- uh, press conference. And he said there was no suspect description. They don't even know what he looks like. So be mindful of that, if they're, especially for our friends and uh, students out there at Morgan State. Coming up later this hour, we're going to speak with the Universal uh, People's Organization uh, President General, that would be Zaki Baruti, is going to talk about this uh, Black People's March on the White House. Also tomorrow, Neely Fuller Jr. will expound on his tome on racism and white supremacy. A lot of people don't really don't understand it. you got to listen very keenly with Neely Fuller when he explains his tome about uh, you got to use logic, because he uses logic to prove his points. Also, Chairman Fred Hampton will be here as well. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, run F FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, uh, we, uh, Dr. Edmonds, good morning. Welcome to the program. Dr. Ed, uh, J. Edmonds, there on line too? Yes. I see. Yes, I am. Oh, good morning. <laughs> yes. Uh, I want to get to your <laughs> thoughts before we take a call for you, though. Uh, the, okay. the, the, the concept of, of heaven and hell. Because we're talking about heaven and, with and Pastor uh, Curran Man has been holding it down. Uh, and, you know, People are concerned. Well, not concerned. People are concerned whether or not there is a heaven, or this is just a this is just a ruse to just to, to keep us under control, so we, we quote unquote behave ourselves. We won't rebel as as enslaved people, and we'll accept what what the the master has to tell us. Well, they're enjoying life and and doing all the things, but we're being goody two shoes down here. And when we die, we're both going to probably end up in the same place. Your thoughts. <laughs> Well, that's a a very interesting question, and I know it's one that's warranted because there are different uh, worldviews and different beliefs uh, that makes uh, the uh, question of heaven and hell uh, subjective in in many cases. But all spiritual beliefs are based on uh, specifically five primary interrogatives. First, is there a God or a higher power or supreme being, whichever designation one prefers? And then secondarily, is that superior entity the creator of all things? And if so, that means that he or it or she has set into uh, motion specific uh, doctrinal standards 
that are relative, uh, uh, but yet that is uh, applicable to all uh, human creation. The question of heaven and hell itself rests on the uh, belief in the doctrinal teachings, writings uh, of those particular viewpoints or world viewpoints that one may embrace. Now, now if, if one is a Buddhist or if one is a Hindu, this is of no consequence to them because they believe in reincarnation and to, to so that they would reach a, uh, a higher form or state of sansara. But if it's one who has embraced Christianity, uh, then the sense of hell and heaven as being places for the hereafter is real, is uh, uh, actually that which is part of the reality. So we have to look at it from that standpoint. If we're talking about it relative to what we believe, then we have to back that belief up with uh, uh, doctrinal points that can be corroborated. And uh, heaven and hell represent that which is awaiting those based on their conduct while upon this earth, while in these bodies. So there has to be a belief that if one believes in the afterlife, um, then what? What is thereafter? We believe that there is an afterlife, uh, and we believe this because it was spoken to us, uncorroborated, rather, and we embrace that, knowing that we are just spirits in these bodies. And Right. And hold that thought right there, because we've got a bunch of folks who want to talk to you, and I want to get to them, and, and I've got some more questions for you, uh, Dr. Edmonds. 800-450-7876. Alex is on line five. Alex is calling from Alexandra in Virginia. Alex, you're on with the Faith Brothers. Shalom, Carl. Shalom to uh, the worldwide listeners, and shalom to all the believers in Torah. Okay, let's get it straight, um, gentlemen. Uh, you all know that the word hell is nowhere mentioned in the Torah. Heaven is mentioned well over, uh, I must say, I'm, I may be all about 400 times, but the word uh, hell, Gehenna is not mentioned in the Torah. So why would you tell people that there is a hell? God made it clear what he does to people who do wrong. And that's with uh, uh, punishment, stoning, whipping. That's the punishment that he gave out. He don't mention hell in his book. This is why I tell people time after time, in Deuteronomy's for number two, and I'm going to keep on bringing this to you, you should not add or change to the Torah. You should not diminish from it. You should not add to it. And I'm serious about that. 
because what y'all doing is confusing people. The Torah came first. Respect the Torah, just like your mother and father came first. We respect them. Respect what came before you. Stop mixing people's minds up. There is no hell. Shalom. All right. Let's give him a chance to respond. Thanks, Alex. Okay. Uh, yes, that was very vociferous, and I really admire that passion. The Torah itself, uh, even inclusive of the Pentateuch, which are the five books of Moses, embraces the laws that were set forth to govern God's people. Uh, specifically, when there are uh, uh, acts that are contrary to what they know, uh, what they knew that God had uh, expected of them. But that's the law. And that comprises the law that was given to his people at that time. That's why it's called Old Testament. Uh, but we're talking New Testament. We're talking the fulfillment of that law. We're talking the fulfillment of what uh, David was talking about when he said that the Messiah was coming. We're talking about the fulfillment of what Isaiah was speaking of in Isaiah chapter 53. We've been the Torah itself in the 39 as to the Messiah that would come and as to Elijah coming first. So the Messiah did come, and that Messiah was Yahshua, Jesus. And Elijah came in the form of John the Baptist. So that was fulfilled. The law was fulfilled in that. It led us to Christ. Now, as it relates to the penalties that you were talking about, of course, if one committed adultery, then they would be stoned. Well, would that be applicable now? Since we're going to keep the law, since you're, if you want to boast on the law, the law should be applicable now. So right. one who committed adultery would be stoned. One who would steal would actually either have his hand cut off or he would restore seven times that which he's stolen. What, what, what are we talking about here? A woman who's on a period would have to be purified for 33 days. What are we talking? Are, are you talking keeping the law? Because there is no salvation that comes by the law. The law brought us into the knowledge of salvation, which comes through Christ. Christ is God manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles believed on in the world, and received up in glory. That sounds like God to me. That sounds like Jesus. So that doctrine of the law itself is not applicable, not today, because it's been fulfilled through Christ. All right. In nine away from the top there, I've got a question for Pastor Manning. This kind of Carlton Pearson kind of question, though. Atheists who don't believe in God in heaven and can supposedly also enter heaven, wouldn't that be a violation of their will? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. It's like, why, you know, if, if, if the atheist does not believe in God or heaven, um, why would they be forced to spend eternity there? Um, but, but you mentioned Carlton Pearson, um, who ventured off into what is known now as the gospel of inclusion. Um, it's really just a modern-day take on universal, universalism um, that everybody, everybody gets to go. Everybody gets, you know, regardless of, of what they've done, regardless of, of, of anything else, everybody dies and goes to heaven. I believe that most of these um, erroneous um, teachings come from people not being able to, in our human finite minds, explain and understand um, these divine dichotomies and, and how God, who God is and how he works. So in order to, to satisfy our own needs and and our own misunderstandings, we create a reality that makes sense to us. But unfortunately, there's no scriptural basis for that, for that argument. Um, there's more that I've presented, and I'm sure Dr. Edmonds could present even more, as to what the scriptures say, what God says about about heaven and about the condition of man. The, I, we we do know this. We know that Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loved all of us, and he made provision for all of us. Jesus is that provision. He died. He carried our sins on the cross. He carried our infirmities on the cross. And when he died, um, they were they were the the penalty was satisfied. When he got up from the grave, um, he got up with all power and the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Ephesians says he's given to us who believe. But all of that is is connected to our believing and receiving this truth um, and accepting what Christ has done for us. Um, there are those who who can't at the same time express and explain how could someone go to hell. Many times it's because of the the hell fire, the way that hell and heaven was presented in our churches back in the day, with with no understanding or exception. But but we fail to remember that the Bible also says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I'm not I'm not presenting what I'm presenting um, because I'm a Christian. I'm constantly reminded that when I was an enemy of God, when I wasn't thinking about God. When I didn't care about Jesus, he had already died for me. And when the Holy Spirit uh, moved me um, and brought me to a place of accepting him where I could accept him, um, it was the greatest day of my life, and it changed um, the outcome of, of where I'll spend eternity. And for that, I'm forever grateful. And for that, um, I also made a decision, Lord, if you did this for me, the least I could do is give my life to you. And that's the life that I'm living right now. 
Hold on, right there, Pastor. We've got to take a short break here. We've got to check the traffic and weather in our different cities and the news in Baltimore. Folks, you want to join our conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. Keep rocking. Good morning again, family. Too many times at the top of the hour with our guests, the Faith Brothers, Pastor Curran Mann and Dr. Edmonds, discussing heaven and hell. Brother Zaki Baroudi is on deck. We'll get to him momentarily. So let's wrap up with the Faith Brothers. Uh, Dr. Edmonds, anything you, more before you leave us that we should know about heaven or hell? Well, I would say at this point in time, it's very critical for us to observe the signs of the time. We're in the end times, the last days. And hell is not a final place for those who are apart from Christ, who has not received that salvation. Everything concerning Christ rests on the fact that he resurrected. Without a resurrected a resurrection, we would not actually uh, have this grace But hell itself is not the final place for those who reject Christ or those who walk contrary to God's word. Um, The lake of fire, uh, according to Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, is the final place for the wicked. And New Jerusalem is the final place for those who have accepted uh, this gift, this grace okay. through Christ. It's nothing right. we can Pastor, Yeah, we got to move on, Dr. Evans. And Pastor Manning, real quickly, your passing thoughts? Yeah, my, my thoughts are, I just pray for all of our listeners that they would come to know the God who loved them so much that he gave his son to die that we might have life, eternal life. And when you say yes to Jesus, that eternal life starts now and you don't have to worry about your future, where you'll spend eternity, because he's already made provision for all of us. All right. How can folks reach you, Pastor Manning? Yes, easy. PasadenaChurch.com, or you can find us on Facebook under Pasadena Church or, or Pastor Kerwin at PasadenaChurch.com. All right. Uh, and Dr. Edmonds? The Edmonds Group at... Can you hear me? I'm sorry. Sure. We can hear yeah, you. Go ahead. Global gmail.com. Uh, one more time. The Edmonds Group Global at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, Dr. Edmonds. Thanks, uh, Pastor Manning. Thank you. Thank you. I know this conversation will not be over about heaven and hell, so we'll pick it up another time. There's more questions and more folks wanted to talk to you guys. Thank you. All right, folks, it's five after the top of the hour. Before we go to Brother Zaki Baruti, let me just remind you, you know, yesterday uh, our founder and uh, chairperson was on and discussing the fact that, uh, you know, how difficult uh, Tim Kaine is trying to make it difficult for us to take into this next venture in Richmond. We're trying to set up a, a resort and hire thousands of our people. And Tim Kaine has been uh, Senator Tim Kaine, who we helped get elected by interviewing him several times on this station. Now he, he's in opposition to it. And, and so... Just give him a call at 202-224-4024. 
If you're in Richmond area, it's 804-771-2221. Let him know that he's obstructing the jobs for black folks. So we'll let him know that, uh, you know, we, we don't like that. I mean, we know, we're voters. We voted for him. Because many of you heard him on the station and voted for him. But uh, he's the one who's uh, trying to stop this resort that uh, our parent company is trying to build in Richmond, Virginia. So we got to let him know. And this, is, and this is a good thing about when you own your own media. You can do things like that. That's why. And, and if you remember the, yesterday's conversation, she got emotional because she knows how, how difficult it was to, to start a Radio 1 and an Urban 1, what the hurdles that she had to go through, the sacrifices that she had to make so that we could have a place that we could talk. Because we wouldn't have these conversations if, if we didn't own it, you know. So we'd have to go to somebody else and beg them and pay them and ask them if we can speak. So anyway, <clears throat> that's, I'm going to get off my soapbox and bring in Brother Zaki Broody. Zaki Broody, good morning. Good morning, Carl. How are you doing there this morning? I'm doing excellent, brother. How about yourself? I'm great also. Um, and let me just uh, I always like to compliment you for, uh, you know, keeping our community on top of the various issues that's impacting our, our communities, as well as I like to offer my uh, prayers for the young people who were traumatized at Morgan State University last night, which is reflective of uh, a society that's gone crazy, basically, as I say, in terms of the shootings and the behavior that too many times exists in our community in a negative manner. Yeah, and they still haven't found the shooter, too, but uh, and classes are canceled for today. Uh, I, ch- I checked. People are asking me with Dr. Wimbush. He's been on it quite a bit. I checked with Dr. Wimbush. Dr. Wimbush says he's fine, uh, but there are no classes today because it's homecoming week. So a lot of people on campus, a lot of uh, former students, and a lot of just friends just want to hang out on campus. So and he and, uh, mentioned the counselors are going to be on campus today. So those of you in Baltimore or Morgan State University, uh, just just be mindful because it's uh, five people got shot for them students. And they still haven't found the shooter. So that's the key. But Brother Zaki, I'm glad that you're here this morning. And you started with us because the latest edition of your newspaper, the African News World, it's all about black love. And we've got to figure out a way how to stop this hateration, if you will. Uh, Can you expound on the paper? Why did you decide to do the the paper, uh, this uh, issue on black love? Well, we decided that because, uh, number one, uh, if one doesn't know themselves, then their behavior will uh, always be in a negative manner. So we said that one of the problems, and there's many problems that's facing our people within the confines of this country and as well as throughout the world, and that's a lack of really self-love. And that self-love uh, has to be extended not just within a family structure, but you got to start with self. So we defined it uh, uh, and de- and decided to have this newspaper dedicated to self-love as part one to examine the various aspects as to what self-love would look like. And we're saying self-love, first of all, would start with self. And then starting with self, having an understanding of the historical greatness of us as a people throughout proper education, therefore having educators that are have a love for their students versus many who just come into our educational system without uh, any really serious uh, concern about the, uh, the students that they are teaching. And I saw that too many times as a former educator. 
We also talk about self-love as it relates to respecting your body, what you bring into your body, both in terms of information as well as uh, the source that provides our body's growth, you know, what you intake as far as food and other uh, uh, stuff that you take in physically. Uh, and we're saying that from the perspective, too many times our people are impacted negatively with uh, the diseases of diabetes, high blood pressure, so on and so on. And that's because they have improper diets that lead to early death. We talk about uh, self-love, black love, when it comes to economics, that even though uh, it's important to support our own businesses for them to flourish at a high level whereby they can employ our own and provide the kind of services that we need in our community. So that's a form of black love. And we, I love a quote in our newspaper that we ought to spend money with black businesses, even if it costs a little bit more. So those are some of the aspects of what we were, as well as black love, uh, means that you need to be involved in the community in terms of trying to, uh, you know, help uh, uh, provide the kinds of uh, nourishment for our young people to speak truth to power on the various issues that impact us as far as like police killings and brutality that you everybody needs to have a badge of honor belonging to an organization that speaks truth to power. We talk about black love as it relates to politics for those who get into that arena having a serious concern for black people to once elected to push for a social justice agenda that enhances our community. So we felt that using the topic of black love as a beginning, uh, uh, almost like a renaissance in our community, especially when you look at the prevalent conditions that, uh, you know, exist. So, and then last but not least on black love, we talk about black love in terms of <clears throat> Even in the culture, the music, uh, you know, what has happened is that uh, there has been a shift from the days of, say, the OJs, the Temptations, with the kind of music that spoke of love, to kind of what we call in our community, activist community, wretched music, which defames and and, and uh talks about uh, our young our sisters uh, in such a negative manner that advocate kind of self-fratricide in terms of killing each other uh, that has become so prevalent and impacting our young people. So that was the basic uh, reasoning behind our newspaper in terms of uh, the subject of black love. And if anybody, I'm very hyped on our newspaper, this particular issue, if anybody really want to access it, they could go to our website, which is www.uapo.org, and click on uh, our section that deals with uh, the newspaper called the African News World. 
All right, we come up on a break uh, real soon. When we come back, though, I want you to talk about the, the march on the, on the White House and why that, and also the Black is Back uh, Coalition as well. As, before we go, though, let me just remind folks what he's talking about, Black Love, that Neely Fuller Jr. is going to be here tomorrow, and, you know, him talking about racism, white supremacy, how the system, that's the key word, the system of racism, white supremacy works. He'll also explain to us why so many of us have a hard time loving another black person. It's We, we, we can hate on another black person and rag on another black person but we don't touch the white person why why is that and and some folks don't even understand that so neely fuller is going to break it down for us tomorrow so those of you who have problems with that please listen because unity is the cornerstone of pan-africanism and some people just uh, refuse or, or i don't know have been uh, maybe uh, indoctrinated so strongly that they, can, they, they they hate on their brothers more than they hate on on the oppressor but he'll explain that to us tomorrow as i mentioned we got to step aside and get caught up in the latest traffic and weather in our different cities we'll be back in four minutes right here at 14 after the top of the hour in baltimore on 1010 wolb in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest. He's the President General of the Universal African People's Organization based in St. Louis. You've heard him before. His name is Zaki Baruti. Before we go back to Zaki, though, I just want to remind you today, Eastern Time, uh, uh, 2.20 Eastern Time, 1.20 Central, and uh, 11.20 Pacific Time. This is when uh, the FCC and FEMA, they're going to conduct a test. Uh, so the phone may not work. The radio, if you listen to them, they, they go offline. And this is a, it's an emergency broadcast test. And, you know, there's other questions and probably another program to find out why now they're doing this. This is the first time in our lifetime I know they're doing this. So they want to figure out a way how to reach every every one of us all at the same time. And But there's a way you can opt out of this. You can call FEMA. And, and I gave it the number earlier to call FEMA and you can go through some steps. And if you want to be interrupted at, uh, at 2.20, again, Eastern time at one twenty Central and 11.20 Pacific time for, for this test. All right. Let's go back to Brother Zaki Baruti. Brother Zaki, we mentioned that you're going to have you're going to be part of this, uh, this Black People's March on the White House. Tell us about that. Why are you marching on the White House? OK, but before I do that, uh, just for folks to have a. A broad and perspective, uh, perspective that is of our organization, the various issues that we deal with, uh, and we have it in uh, our newspaper. Back at the end of August, uh, we had a delegation of members uh, uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, as well as Brandon, Mississippi, and Lexington, Mississippi. And on the front cover, we salute uh, Malik Zulu Shabazz and uh, uh, Brother Kareem. Mohammed of the local organizing committee of Greenville, Mississippi, for their work in exposing the racist uh, torture of two black men in uh, Rankin County, Mississippi, uh, that uh, I know you have had Malik Zulu Shabazz on prior, but we were there in attendance to a national call out to speak out against uh, police brutality. As well as this past weekend, we were in Atlanta, Georgia, a delegation of us uh, for a meeting called by a coalition against murder music uh, lyrics, which was very powerful because uh, we have to also address the issues that emanate from our own community as far as the the mad, I call it mad music that's projected to our young people. In fact, if I may before I talk about the Black People's March on the White House, quote, uh, and this is around some of the music that's out here that's uh, influencing our young people in a negative manner in mind. 
uh, humble opinion, and this is by Dr. Frances Cress Wilson. And she says, we're the only people on this entire planet who have been taught to sing and praise our demeanment. I'm a B-I-T-C-H. I'm a whore. I'm a gangster. I'm a thug. I'm a dog. If you can train people to demean and degrade themselves, you can oppress them forever. You can even program them to kill themselves, and they won't even understand what happened. And I quoted that, and that was basically, too, in the spirit of what happened, the trauma at the Morgan State. But it's the trauma that carries throughout our community in terms of, uh, you know, the shootings and the killings that take place. And that's part of what we see as a major propaganda uh, effort in this country to have us not know ourselves and to do as uh, uh, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson just uh, had quoted. Moving forward, uh, we also will be have a delegation in Baltimore, Maryland, at the end of October for uh, the National Black Ra uh, Radical Political Convention that's dealing with trying to put together a number of progressive organizations to focus on uh, black politics and radicalizing uh, the concept. And then last but not least, as you mentioned, the first weekend in uh, November uh, in Washington, D.C., our organization will be participating, sending a delegation to the Black is Back annual march, and it will be their 15th annual march on the White House. And the purpose of that, and we encourage everybody uh, who's uh, listening uh, to be supportive. And uh, the theme of uh, the march, uh, and that's going to be taking place on that Saturday, the first Saturday in November, Saturday in November. I believe that's November the 4th. And the theme is not one step backwards. Black liberation movement under FBI attack again, drop the charges now. And so there's a move just like back in the day in support of a Huey P. Newton when he was, you know, under attack as well as the overall Black Panther Party. We see this uh, ugliness of the federal government in this attack on the Yahura movement that uh, in the pre-dawn morning of July 29th of last year where they attacked uh, Chairman O'Malley Yesatelli of the African People's Socialist Party um, with uh, militarized uh, FBI agents and St. Louis Police Department at 5 in the morning with uh, bang uh it's, I mean, you know, with the bang flashes and uh, having uh, uh, the red flare of uh, the long rifles on his chest as he's coming down out of his uh, apartment trying to terrorize and actually terrorize in the community because people waking up to all that was taking place, that we are, uh, as an uh, organization, uh, of coalition of members uh, taking the position that the attack on him is like really an attack on the overall progressive movement uh, throughout America to try to instill fear in our communities that we do not have the right to speak out on foreign issues such as what's taking place in Ukraine. So it's going to be a very uh, large uh, demonstration if anybody's interested, they can go to the website, uh, Black is Back Coalition website, to find out more information uh, about uh, the 
activity again the first weekend in November. All right. Before we do that, what's the latest on, on Chairman O'Malley? It, 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 I know they have a legal issue. What's what's the latest on that? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, his uh, defense uh, uh, team uh, filed uh, a motion last Thursday, I believe, uh, September 28th, uh, asking that all the charges be dropped. Uh, there have not been a decision by the judge on that request, so and that could come any day. People, we just don't know when it would be issued as far as a response. I talked to him personally. He felt that he was uh, on on the issue itself. Then the charges should be dropped, but you know how that goes uh, with the judicial system. That truly is not blind. When they say it's supposed to be blind, it's not blind as it relates to black people, especially those who are outspoken on the various issues, uh, as I just mentioned, that impacts us. All right. 28 after the top of the hour with Brother Zaki Baroudi is the president general of the Universal African People's Organization based in St. Louis. Line, on line one, uh, Brother Akbar is waiting for us. He's calling from Washington, D.C. Brother Akbar, good morning. Peace uh, and black power to you. I call to be supportive. Uh, I'm a arm of the Black Panther um uh, Sister Crystal Muhammad and myself, we, we were just going to put a footnote uh, on the fact we'll be in Mississippi again on October the 14th to to rally. Uh, we want to change the whole dynamics on the ground in a township called Taylorsville, Mississippi. They executed uh, Rashim Carter. And let's talk to you and uh, O'Malley, I should tell you, the whole Yuhuru movement. Uh, Shaky Man, I've been on the front line. Uh, I mean, they're about 50 years, and we've uh, done a lot. Uh, the chairwoman, Crystal Muhammad, I, I have been elected as one of the chairmen of the new Black Panther Party, and we have a we're kind of more radical end of it. And uh, I know Carl, Carl, you know me, right? Oh, Nelson. of course. Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we've done, uh, Carl Nelson, I've done many events, and I put many comments on his programs, and, and we've gotten a little more radical now. We've appealed to get the state of South Carolina and the state of Mississippi. And there are many uh, comrades that are chiming in. I, I think we have the land mass, uh, meaning the land acquisition and the uh, uh, political support on the ground. Uh, uh, there are 50 million registered voters that we put in the algorithm and got back out of the database. Uh, at least 50 million registered voters that uh, say we deserve reparations. That, that's a step forward. And then uh, there are enough people on the ground in South Carolina, given the black drop of the execution of Senator Clementine Pinkley in front of nine parishioners. And, and most black people did a drive-by. All the white folks did a drive-by. Blame it on the 150-pound uh, white boy. But on that strength, um, he is the brain cell behind the, the, the cam, the 
the uh, camera on the squad car, uh, uh, some call them police, I call them police cars, and the uh, and the body cam on the officer, um, and some call them police, I call them police officers. But nevertheless, we do. I have uh, black people on the ground willing to organize in Charleston, in Spartanburg, in Greenville, and many townships are Gaffney, the first township, has better peaches than Atlanta, at least in my taste. And and we're organized all over South Carolina to ask for the state, uh, for, for, for we the people. So we, we're in, in uh, lock and step with you, beloved, and, and your African organization. We have the Sankofa Network. Uh, we have uh, double township, uh, 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 dual citizenship of Zania. We've investigated Tulsa to find out. Uh, the 300 massacre there uh, over in my uh, staff what means over 3,000. So you can't trust any of the numbers of statistics in the Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma massacre, including the Greenwood Arch and Pine, for, for which the Gap Band is called the, the Gap, the Greenwood Arch and Pine Band. And my right. name's Charlie. I, 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 I'm going to cut you loose because we're coming up on a break, and I want to give Zach okay. a chance right but, now to respond to some of the question, things that you said. Will you all meet us for Redemption Week on October 16th through 21st at the uh, African American Museum and Freedom Plaza? Are you all able to group with us on that and Mississippi? Zaki? Well, I, I really couldn't commit because, you know, it takes dollars moving. And, you know, I just as shared, we, this will be about the fifth uh, uh, city that we'll be visiting, uh, you know, if you can help offset some costs, I can seriously consider it. And, uh, okay. I can, uh, what city are you traveling out of, sir? What city? Uh, out okay. of St. Louis. Okay. Oh, St. Louis. got a good network there. Okay, and as well as, thank you for also uh, your work in Mississippi, but also on that date that he made mention, uh, October the 14th, they will be uh, having uh, a sentencing of these six uh, racist, uh, I call them beasts, that tortured these uh, two black youth uh, for hours, uh, waterboarding them with uh, not only water, milk, and grease, and then uh, sexually assaulting them with sex stars, as well as putting a pistol in one of their mouths and shooting them in the jar. And by the grace of God, he survived. And uh, these officers, shockingly, as uh, Brother Malik Zulu Shabazz said publicly at a couple of the rallies while we were there in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, these white officers pled guilty, and they were known as the Goon Squad. So they, their sentencing is on October the 14th. And, they're right. asking, and hold that thought right there, Brother Zaki, because we're going to take a short break. Uh, Brother Akbar, thank you for sharing that information with us, and we're going to talk about it more with Brother Zaki. Thank you for calling in. 14 away from the top of the hour. We're going to take our last look at the news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. We'll be back, though, in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. 
Good morning again, family. 22 minutes away from the top of the hour with Brother Zaki Baruti. He's the President General of the Universal African People's Organization. He's just working on several fronts here. We just want to talk about the, the music as well before we let you go. But I just want to remind you, tomorrow, Neely Fuller Jr. is going to join us. So, you know, for those folks who struggle to understand how the system of racism and white supremacy works, please listen. And listen very keenly because he uses logic to prove his points. Also, Chairman Fred Hampton will be with us as well. Chairman Fred says there's a lot going on with the Black Panther Party in the state of Illinois, so he's going to share that information with us. And, and, and Brother Zaki will give his phone number before he leaves. So for those folks calling one Brother Zaki's number. But, uh, let's, let's, let's do this. Before we uh, do anything else, let's go to Brother Carlos, who has a question for you. And he's calling from Waldorf in Maryland. He's on line one. Good morning, Brother Carlos. Your question for Brother yeah, yeah. Zaki. Yeah, good morning, uh, uh, my dear brothers. Uh, I'll make this real short. Uh, uh, brother, you, you have acknowledged, the brothers are key, you have acknowledged that there has, there's an unrelenting, ongoing war on our people uh, nationwide, uh, even in 2023. Now, my question to you is that when you were down in, in, in Mississippi, uh, the brothers who were tortured and sexually uh, brutalized, there was a mention of an involvement with a, uh, the police accused them of, of being involved with a white woman, uh, 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 like Emmett Till and other brothers across the country uh, who have been uh, killed by the police, uh, I say because they've been involved with, with white women, supposedly, and so forth. Do you have any knowledge of that? Uh, it's, it's sort of passed passed over. Uh, do you have any any? And did you hear anything about that when you were down there? And uh, I would certainly appreciate your input. Okay, thank you for your question. Yes, uh, that was shared with me. That uh, part of the reason why uh, they were attacked under false pretense of a drug raid at their home was because supposedly, and I don't know the veracity of the uh, rumor or statement that they uh, had been involved with uh, white women, similar as you mentioned to Emmett Till. In fact, while, while there, uh, uh, there was a showing of the movie Emmett Till and uh, the, the strength of Emmett Till's mother to handle what had happened to Emmett back in 1955. And I'm glad you made mention, too, that uh, there is a unrelenting attack, uh, I call it low uh, uh, warfare, upon uh, the uh, black people here in this country, as well as in Africa, too. Uh, and so it's going to be imperative, and I just challenge everybody that's listening. If you're not really part of an organization that speaks truth to power, then you really, in the essence, part of the problem. Because uh, in our newspaper, too, I've, I've constantly advocated that to fight against uh, this white supremacy structure based on capitalism and imperialism, we need armies, armies of righteous people. And sadly to say, many of the progressive organizations that exist here in this country just don't have the manpower slash woman power to really do the kind of work to re, uh, uh, combat the attacks on us. And those attacks come in different forms. 
Uh, I'm outraged as a elder of our community, 76, just like uh, Dr. Francis Welsing, about the kind of propaganda per the ratchet music that's constantly uh, projected on many different social uh, media platforms. And I have made mention, and, and we have to deal with that. And, and the communities don't have to raise that issue among our young people. In fact, our organization, the past edition of our newspaper, had that on the front center of our newspaper that says, today's music on the black man, a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, and we have some artists out here that have no respect for our community, and we have to bring them and uh, uh, and, and and work with them to, hey, you got to change these kinds of lyrics that are really murder lyrics. And uh, that includes include people like uh, Kodak Black uh, Gremlin, Spot'em, Got'em, Beatbox. Uh, they got one that uh, is advocating just shoot them up in the community in terms of their advertisement. So digressing, when I was in Atlanta, I just want to salute those organizers of this coalition against murder music uh, lyrics, uh, Kwamina, uh Rasuli and a, uh, a member of the original Black Panther Party, Brother Victor, for having the foresight to bring together organizations that are on the same level of wanting to address that particular issue. But I'm challenging well, people. Let me jump in, that, jump in here, there for uh, Brother Saki, because you sent me one to listen to. And that to me was pornography, straight pornography. Yeah. That was not. That yeah. was not music. That was. Uh, I, I mean. I started listening to it. Someone was in the room and they got him. I got to listen to Brother Zaki want to talk about it tomorrow. And they got up and left because it, 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 it was, you know, forget about the cussing and all that. But how, how have we gotten to that level? Because I'm sure people I didn't I didn't know about that artist. And, and I'm people I'm out of the demo. So and many of our people are listening right now are probably out of the demo. They don't know the artist that our young people are listening to. So right. what can we do, though? Because, you know, th these are not the artists that we know. This is not the music that we listen to. Let's, let me be frank. And none of us would go out and buy those. But apparently, because I looked at, I did some more research after I did, found out the Billboard is, is ranking these, these songs, if you want to call them that, as one of the best-selling songs. So obviously our young people are, are, are listening to this kind of music. So what can we do? Well, first of all, what we need to do is identify who we need to target as far as uh, putting pressure on uh, folks who are basically supporting it. If you recall, in one of the videos that's <laughs> pornography uh, called Susie, Susie, Suki at least, uh, featuring uh, someone, a rapper out of St. Louis, Sexy Red, that uh, you had a corporate, uh, you know, a white carpet figure in the background observing them being super foolish and wretched. So a lot of that music is formulated and pushed by corporate America. So we have to have a game plan to go directly to those who fostering that kind of music. Then what we need to do, in my humble opinion, and we'll be working to try to make these happening, we have to go to some of the local DJs and just ask them a question. Is your mother a B-I-T-C-H or H-O-E? To try to make them conscious of what they are promoting. And then we need to have a series of community meetings, which we plan on doing right here in St. Louis, 
to galvanize uh, our people to uh, address, you know, that issue. Let me give you a personal st- a story real quick, Carl, and your audience. While in Atlanta, you know, and we're dealing with that subject, Late on that evening after our conference, I'm trying to find a black-owned restaurant to support and, you know, get some food. We ended up at a place that was black-owned, but it was, I guess it was a lounge. I did not know. And uh, eventually the food was good, but they were playing music. And one of their songs, and the young ladies got up twerking to it, was Go Find My B-I-T-C-H. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I mean... And everybody was rocking on that, so they rock on the beat, but they uh 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 but the lyrics are killing our mindset and when I had made mention in terms of that Morgan state shooting, we have to acknowledge that the influences of music has an impact on the behavior of some of our children, and so that's an issue that we just got to address. And the morality issue is a key issue because if we could get our young people to pull up their pants and focus on the real enemy as part of developing armies of righteous people, we could bring about a new day in our community. Uh, 12 away from the top. Yeah, well, Brother Zaki, and, and some of you probably don't know, but it, I don't know if I wish to tell to take a look at it, but it's it's wretched. It's not even music. Uh, and, and and you wonder how this thing to get sanctioned. Who's greenlighting all this stuff to to be out there? Because I, I know that it's, I just can say it's deplorable. If if people watch those those videos and they think that that's all we're about as black people, we're doomed. That's all. That this generation. I, I'm happy not every our young people are into that, but some people, Zaki, say they they don't hear the words. They they just bobbing their heads and tapping their feet to the beat. They they and, and listen for the rhymes. They they they're not hearing the profanity. We see it and go, man, that's that's profanity. It's porn- pornography, but they don't see that. So it's subliminally it's, it's seeping in. Yeah, but because subliminally those words are seeping into the minds of those young people who may not have the parental guidance or the social structure to help guide them away from reflecting those kinds of lyrics. So that's why we call it murder music lyrics, which is part of the overall plan to demean our people to have us in the state of foolishness that uh, so many times we see in our community. In fact, I understand that one song was advocating carjacking, and, you know, we have had a high, a rise in carjacking of young folks carjacking their own elders in our community. So we have to look at the causes, the deep-end causes of all of the ne- negativity in our community, and we submit that one of those causes is the kind of uh, a culture that's been pushed by uh, corporate America, and that's that wretched right. music. Uh, let me say this: uh, the story I read on the internet uh, this this guy is he's rearing his twelve year old daughter, and he's trying to do the best he can. He says she's liking boys, and <laughs> now, but her friend, some other young brother, twelve uh, year old, it told, it got in an inbox and told her to send him some nudes. She's twelve year old children now. 
And yeah. and Zaki, for those of you who have daughters, you, and you've got a twelve-year-old, just think about when you had when you were twelve, your sister was twelve, and some 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 other guy, you know, says he likes her and, and sent him some news. This this is the technology that we're in with today because we didn't have that technology no. when we were growing up, but we didn't have this yeah. ratchet uh, ratchet music as well, uh, you know, right. to influence. So right. you've got for those of you who have children and grandchildren, please monitor them. Please watch where they go, on and not only physically but also on the internet because the internet is crazy out there. There's a lot of stuff that they should not even should not even see. And, and this Wait. brother is a single father, and he's he's trying to rear his daughter, and he and he's and he's and he's really concerned. But go ahead, Zaki. Yeah, but you know, I was just thinking about this uh, earlier this morning. You know, there's a move to ban books in uh, the schools that deal with race and other items. That's where we need to also have a movement to ban this kind of ratchet music that's uh, so pervasive on so many social media. In fact, when I was speaking about uh, some of these uh, artists like Kodak Black Gremlin, uh, he received uh, on his, uh, his, uh, his music, which is worse than what Hassan Chukar uh, 289 million views. Uh, I don't know how they get these mm-hmm. views and what have you, but uh, and then uh, you got uh, one artist who said, "I ain't nowhere, I ain't nowhere to go. I done shoot up everywhere," and um, and that was one of the number one uh, songs for black youth in the summer of 2021, and uh, they received 67 million dollars. And then uh, one one song had these lyrics. She ate the D-I-C-K through my underwear. Didn't know who did it. Everybody get hit. Uh, uh, Spin, talking about a drive-by shooting on your block. And uh, that was a very popular uh, song by Moneybag Yo. And <laughs> it's just crazy. It's out of order. It's just out of order. Yeah. It's it's, it's gone know. too it's gone too far, but you know we somehow these record executives who sit in their ivory towers and greenlight this filth to be sung, they they would never let their children sing it or hear it, but they they're the ones who are making the money behind it. Those are those those are the ones we need to go after, because they're Absolutely. the ones who who reaping the benefits of this. Absolutely. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We have to begin that campaign, but I just wanted to alert our community through your show uh, of where we at, and that's imminent danger. And again, the challenge is for folks not to just sit back and listen to the great speakers that you bring on your program day in and day out uh, every day, but they got to get involved. Got to get involved. You just can't sit and say right on to those who are speaking truth to power. 
we need mass turnout. So I'm encouraging those in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, show up at Malcolm X uh, Park. I don't have the address in front of me, but I'm sure those in Washington, D.C. know where that's uh, located for that massive march on the White House, because we also have to address the domestic and the international issues, and we still need our reparations. And, but right. we need a massive we got about 30 minutes, uh, 30 seconds. I'm sorry. We got about 30 seconds. Could you give us how fit folks can reach you? Oh, they can reach me at area code 314-477-4629. Again, that's area code 314-477-4629. Or they can call 314-833-4151. Air code 314-833-4151, or go to our website, www.uapo.org. All right, Zaki, we're done. We're out of time. Thank you for sharing that information with us. Folks, we've got to run out of here. Stay strong, stay positive. Please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. And in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.